and welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am the creator of all that you hear. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity, live and direct, and streaming to you live on YouTube and later on The Fringe. Hello to you from the future. You can find the podcast version of this program on all popular platforms. And tonight, we do have a bit of a full house, not with Uncle Jesse. First up is Marshall Masters. Marshall is a former CNN Science Features news producer, freelance writer, television analyst, and the publisher of YaoUSA.com. He has been researching Earth changes and Nibiru flyby-related topics. He's appeared here before, boys and girls, and we welcome, we welcome him back into the circle. I almost used a bad word there. Thank God I didn't. And of course, after the break, Mimi Johnson makes her appearance here tonight, her debut rather. She describes herself as an accidental entrepreneur. She is the inventor and owner and founder of Kenna. Of course, the phone lines are open. That number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. And don't be afraid to call in. What a week it's been. Horns are growing out of skulls. Thanks to cell phones, apparently. And top U.S. politicians have been given a secret briefing about UFOs. There's a lot of things to cover here tonight. But let's get down to brass tacks and bring in our boy. Mr. Marshall Masters. Let's do that now. Marshall, are you alive and well? I am alive and well, Michael. Good to be back. Incredible. Thank you so much for being here, Marshall. It's always an honor and pleasure to have you here. Ah, it's always a pleasure to be here. You're a cool dude, man. Thank you so <laughs> or much. Or we used to say in my generation, you're a righteous dude. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I do appreciate that, Marshall, and I feel the exact same way about you. Welcome back to the program here. And my God, Marshall, we are at the halfway point of 2019, it seems. And I can't believe how fast this year has come and gone. Yeah, it's flying. And right now, uh, we're in the middle of a danger zone. And this is something that I'm concerned about for the rest of the year. It deals with the beta torrids. But as in talking with my research team, we're starting to think about the Perseids as well. And I think there's a very, very strong story here that is total Planet X affecting us right now. You know, for years, every time I've been on the show before, and you say, well, is Planet X directly affecting us? And I said, well, it's indirectly because it's interacting with the sun and the sun is becoming brighter. And so we have increased luminance and that is causing problems. That's the reason why they're doing the chemtrail spraying. And that's what we, well, now we have a situation where Planet X has reached out and left a mark. We're seeing the signs, like you say, Marshall. We are seeing the signs. And you know, it's and I love that you did because that's my signs article. And in we published Signs 36, Weather Could Torpedo Trump in 2020. And we published that on June 7th uh, because we're sitting there looking at 
the stats and the stats for monthly total fireballs. Michael, you know, we track two data sets that are empirical. In other words, this is science. This is not tin, you know, tin right. foil hat stuff. All right. We're getting it from real crazy, wild, insane conspiracy theorists like USGS and NASA and other people. All right. And we're pulling, we're drawing this information and doing our analysis of it. And we're tracking earthquakes of all magnitudes. That gets us out of the, you know, the, when was the last time you heard a big quake that they didn't downsize it, right? Right. You know, it comes out and they said it was a 7-1 and they say it's a 6-9 or it's a 6-1 and it's a 5-8. It always and changes. Always, huh? They always change it. Yeah, because that's, that's how they keep up the narrative that there's not an increase in larger quakes. So they're saying, well, the only ones we worry about is magnitude five and above. Well, if they're pushing everything down, they're jiggering the numbers. So what we do is we just say, okay, we're not going to classify. We're, I don't care if it's an eight or a one, it counts. It's, we just look at the total volume of earthquake activity, which given the swarms that are happening in Los Angeles, oh man, this month is just going to fly off the map. And um, the thing was, what really got us was the fireballs. Now, fireballs and earthquakes of all magnitudes, we've been tracking, and I can tell you that up until December 21, 2012, Mayan calendar, everybody says it's bull. Well, if they're telling you it's bull, they're the ones with the bull, because right after December 21, 2012, earthquakes of all magnitudes and fireballs have gone ballistic. Like, yes, and Marshall, by know, the way, I do have that chart up on the chat room for those that are watching on YouTube, the AMS monthly total fireballs. Awesome, it's awesome. There. Now look at that, it's in orange for 2019. Now, what I want you to understand is up until December 21, 2012, all of those numbers would have been well under 150 or 100, okay? That's how much, we have an order of magnitude it's 10 times greater since the Mayan calendar. And that's consistent with the harbinger. Harbinger is something that says, hey, you don't blow up today, but when you see this, you know a blow up is coming. Well, we saw the celestial alignment. December 21, 2012 happened. Hollywood made a lot of fortune off it. Everybody thought it was nonsense. And while everyone goes off going, romp, 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 what happens? The Mayans are right. It was a harbinger. And the harbinger says, hey, guess what, kiddos? Hell is coming to pay a visit. Clean the guest room. That's right. going to be a long stay. All right. And so you're looking at this AMS monthly total fireballs. Look at those orange numbers. Five months in a row. Every one of those orange bars for January, February, March, April, May, is an all-time record for that month for fireballs in all of recorded history, Michael. My goodness. All. And, and Marshall, anytime I see this chart here, I can't help but think of the 1998 film Armageddon. Oh, yeah. Armageddon. And that was with Bruce Willis. Oh, that was absolutely a lot of fun. Uh, you know, especially the coyote thrust maneuver. And... Uh, <laughs> But uh, I think, you know, you had Deep Impact and Armageddon. Armageddon was the fun one. Love those watch. movies, by the way. It, it's a oh, guilty pleasure. Anytime it's on, I must see it. 
Oh, yeah, it's got a classic. And, uh, you know, Deep Impact, scientifically and in everything else, it was more on spot, whereas the other, you know, Armageddon was good old swashbuckling fun. Uh, but both of them are fabulous movies, and they're enduring. I mean, you know, the 90s was good. a good time for— You know, have you ever noticed after 9-11— how Hollywood just went into the gutter. It really did. And that's one of the things that we talk all the, all the time here on the program with various guests. All the time we mention how Hollywood now has completely ran out of ideas. It's just a rehash of what is, I guess you could say, a working formula nowadays and for Hollywood. But with so many great minds, you would suspect and expect some proper originality. But that is completely void in Hollywood these days. Marshall? I, you know, I think it's also a social shift and where Hollywood became a lot darker. You don't have people in Hollywood that could produce a film like Casablanca or, you know, It's a Good Life, where we're really, you know, taking a, a very beautiful and artistic look at something very difficult people are dealing with. Hollywood had that ability. And now it's with major corporations and bean counters and lawyers, you know, that that creative aspect is gone. So it's like, it just show sex, you know, what do you want? Bombs and boobs. That's all. Bombs and boobs. What's wrong with that? Yeah, that's what gets people uh, into the theater. You know? That's true. <laughs> so, but, yeah. I mean, let's let's take it down <laughs> to the common denominator. Let's let's go to the low end of the sh of the gene pool. There. Hey, what do you think, Michael? Well, I mean, that's Hollywood, and that's where it is. It's in the gutter. Yeah, totally in the gutter. Not only is Hollywood in the gutter, I'm looking at the media. You know, I want to say is in the '80s, I was a CNN science feature producer. It's in my bio. Now I cringe when people read that. I know. I noticed, I noticed, Marshall, when you do an interview, I'm not sure if you specifically told the person interviewing you not to include that part. But I'll, I always think I should include it because it does drum up some heat uh, in regards to you, Marshall. And sometimes you just have to embrace that sort of negativity as best as you can. It's, it's good for getting stronger for those comments that uh, tear you apart, not just you, but me. Me as well. Any, well, anyone in that regards that puts themselves out there, you should always embrace oh, yeah. the the negative trolls, as they say. Embrace. Well, you know what they. You know what Nietzsche said. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But right. Nietzsche also said God is dead, and God said Nietzsche is dead. <laughs> well, that's the conundrum. Yeah, it's a conundrum, and it's so. I really. I. I am hoping that what we see coming up is that social media becomes uh, regulated like utilities. The arbiter because of truth, yeah. The souls, uh, because they have, uh, you know, when I was working at CNN in the 80s, that was when Ted Turner was running it. I'm going to tell you, Michael, that man was awesome, okay? He was a force of nature. Uh, the first five years of CNN, they were running red in the ink and living on borrowed money. And that's pretty much standard. For if you're going to start a network, you're just going to run at a loss for five years. And so there was, and it was heavy competition back then. This was before concentration happened. And back then, CNN had to compete with like 50 other major media outlets that were doing phenomenal stuff, real investigative journalism. When I was with them, I was doing, guess what? Real investigative journalism. 
If I had done a fraction, tried even one of the stunts I see them doing today, oh, man, Turner would have had a guy like me kicking rocks down the road so fast to make your head spin. Okay? It was just didn't do it. Back then, CNN, working with those folks, and if you want to think about Maria Bartolomo at Fox is pretty much the kind of old-school, gum-soul kind of character that I worked with at CNN in those years. And what, what I can say is yeah. that I loved it because they were dedicated professionals. Journalism excellence was something you didn't attribute to yourself. It was something you just did every day. And uh, they were hardworking, ethical, and they, by golly, wanted to get the story right. And of course, because we're media, you had round heels, okay? Well, today, all that's left at CNN pretty much are just the heels. It's really sickening. I can't, I, I turn on that network and I look at it and it's just like watching Invasion of the Body Stanchers. You know how they just kind of stumble along and point and go, you know. That's kind of how I view all news sources, however. Yeah. I kind of see them all that way. By the way, speaking of Ted Turner, has has he ever had any allegations brought forth? I don't even remember anyone saying anything negative about Ted Turner, unlike Roger Ailes, who's had all these sort of allegations thrown his way. No, you know, I never, Ted didn't get that. I think the only thing Ted ever did that he probably really regretted was uh, Jane Fonda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's right. You know, when Hanoi Jane took over at CNN, that was it. They they left professional ethics at the, you know. At the door. At the doorstep. Yeah. That was it. Uh, it was all about political agenda. But what really turned CNN, MSNBC, all these people into propaganda mills. I mean, when Pravda, which was a total propaganda arm of the Soviet Union during the Cold War, did a better job probably of reporting news than our news is doing today. And the professional journalism, excellence in journalism, gone. I mean, it's a narrative. They're taking sides. It's going to hurt a lot of them. It's going to take a lot of them down because... Uh, How do you feel about RT, by the way? I don't think I've ever asked you asked you that. Russia Today is... Well, I think Russia Today overall is going to give... I'd much rather watch RT than uh, MSNBC any day. Well, sure. Um, I would... I think that overall, if you... You know, you hold it in balance, you know who's got the key to the kingdom. All right. So there's there's always that shift in terms of what you're getting. But at least with RT, you get a lot of information you're not going to get elsewhere. And you can pretty much tell the difference when it's useful propaganda or unuseful propaganda. See, now that is, this is interesting. I talked about this in my book, Radio Free Earth. Right. All right. And because I want people to understand how to use two-way radios, because when everything goes sideways, guess what? The worst people are going to have the best two-way radios, and if all you got are red bandanas and signal flares, you are in deep kimchi, bubba. You are in deep kimchi. All right? So you need to learn, and it's all different kinds of radios, and that's what I do in Radio Free Earth. And, you know, people are going, well, I'm just going to sit here and watch fear porn and clickbait and think I'm doing something constructive. No, you're mentally masturbating. Don't kid yourself. 
Go learn how to do something useful. Learn how to use two-way radios. Take a red class course on emergency first aid. Go use your time constructively instead of watching fear porn and mentally masturbating and thinking you're doing something constructive. That's yes. the worst of it. No but, doubt. No doubt. Oh, you know, it's the media is when I when I look at it today as compared to what it used to be years past, it really saddens me. I saw what happened, what destroyed the media, which was and actually you know, it, this one is on the doorstep of the GOP. Yeah. Because it, this started with Republican presidents. You also, and, you, you mentioned earlier 9-11. You said after that point, movies were not so good. I feel the same way about media sources after 9-11 not being so good either. Yeah. It all went deep state. 9-11 was when the deep state, and if 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 you don't think 9-11 was a false flag, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. That's just my opinion, all right? Because I remember on 9-11, I'm sitting there watching television, and there was, this is before they started going back, you know, and they sponge all the video. Oh, do they sponge the video? And I'm watching live broadcast. This is when they first got some cameras and people into the sites where the towers had fallen into their basements, you know? I mean, first off, What's wrong with that picture? You have two buildings like that that literally fall straight down into their basements. And then you have a third one that falls into its basements because office furniture catches fire. I mean, you got structural engineers going, this is insane. Who could invent such craziness? But that's what they did. And the thing about it was after that, that was when the deep state really took over and I will have to say that it was back for me in about uh, 2005 that I finally started figuring out Agenda 21 and what the elites, the globalists want to do, which is reduce human population by 90%. Yes, this is something I did want to mention. But before we get into the whole conspiracy angle here, well, not, mm -hmm. much, of a, not much of a conspiracy these days, I did want to mention Planet X since we are near Zachariah Sitchin's birthday, it's uh, July eleventh, yeah. so we're getting pretty much uh, pretty close here. Well, we are. You know, it was. Um, I, I'll share this because it's it was interesting. It was the first time that it ever happened to me. I was doing another show, and the host said, "Here, I just got a submission. Look at this. I'm on the air." And he sends me the link through uh, Zoom. And he goes, take a look at it, and you tell me. It's the first time I ever did a live image analysis. Right. Son of a gun. It just came up, blip, no question. Whoever sent it to him nailed it. It was a bona fide observation. And and it was big. And it was in an area where it tends to be. Uh, you know, we see on Planet X images, I'm seeing Planet X is going to be, say, between the 3 and 4 o'clock at a at a distance, or it'll be between eleven to twelve thirty, uh, or it'll be off to somewhere between the nine and uh, eight thirty, and so and that'll depend on it'll be above the sun in the afternoon, it'll be down into the right or down into the left in morning when they're catching it as a rule, but 
when you're when people are observing this stuff, they're they're going to be at any latitude, any uh, altitude. Uh, the ones that I like the best, obviously, are uh, at altitude observations from airplanes. Um, airplane windows are made out of plexiglass, not glass. And plexiglass is uh, very very optically, it's far superior to glass. And so if the person is, you know, if they're holding their their smartphone right up against the window, that can cause distortion. You know, if they're holding it back a little bit, and we can tell that. Those have always been the best ones. But it's, uh, you know, I've been tracking this thing since 2013. We we picked it up uh, in uh, from a webcam in Turrialba, Costa Rica, on the volcano there. We were so accurate on our reporting. And I mean, back then it was, well, it was just the itchy, bitchy, blue thing. And I used to call it blue bonnet because it reminded me of blue blonde, blue bonnet flowers I loved so much when I lived in Texas. And wait, you're not from Texas, by the way. Oh, no. I, I lived in Texas for 10 years. But you five lived in, years. Oh, wow. Basically, you are from Texas from, then. Pardon? I said, technically, you can say you're from Texas. You've been there for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, I can say that. You can say that. And, uh, oh, I love Texas. Texas is, uh, you know, it's a great state, great people, great attitude. Uh, I wound up coming back to the West Coast because I'm in the computer business, and I followed my fortune to Silicon Valley. Uh, but I sure do miss Texas. And uh, you know, wonderful. I just, I just like the attitude, the can-do attitude of the state, you know, and a uh, wonderful place. You know, California is... This is where you come to get legislated and pay taxes. Now, be careful now. I'm from California. Oh, I'm well, joking. I'm, I'm joking. Born son. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pretty terrible out here. Some things I like, other things I can do without. Amen to that. Oh, yeah. You know, it rem uh, California really reminds me. Well, years ago when I was doing all my business in the, you know, I had a tour business going to Russia. That's where I got started with all of this, flying over the pole and seeing the North Pole deteriorating. And, wow, uh, stuff. you know, there was a great expression in Russia. What do you have when you have one door and one Russian? A bureaucracy. <laughs> I was going to say something with vodka, right? <laughs> oh well everything's with vodka there my friend yeah, by default and, yeah and if you think they drink the stoli we get here ah uh -uh. i need i need to go to russia sometime oh yeah oh my god the you know they sit there and they drink water glasses of it all right wow but when you you drink that vodka it's so smooth and easy you could drink a water glass of it yeah i need you some know, of that no not doubt here you know you'll you, you just feel like you, you know, you cauterize your tongue or something. But, uh, you know, wow. But uh, Russia was that was that was where I got my start. I was flying Aeroflot airliners, Illusion sixty two, then Illusion eighty six, and I love the sixty two better than any other airplane I've ever flown on. And it was going over was always at night, but coming back was day. And we went directly over the pole from Moscow, Sheremetvo, to San Francisco. And the first time I did it, and I'll never forget, it was like January 2003. And I am, or excuse me, January 1993. And I am looking out the window. I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, actually. Ah, Phoenix. I, from Arizona as well. Okay. But in Arizona, 
you know, blue ice, which is very old, old ice. The only time you saw blue ice when I was a kid was you went to 7-Eleven and you put some ice in a cup and you put some blue syrup on it and you paid for it. Right. How do you do blue ice? All right. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at fields of blue ice. On It was just beautiful, breathtaking, you know, from from curve to curve, and I'm for those of you who are flat earthers, if you can prove to me that Illusion was building flattening windows into their Illusion 62 during the height of the Cold War, please send the information on to my site. Yeah, I'd appreciate the, it. The flat earthers will not like you now. Oh, that's right. And uh, so the thing, though, was looking out, and I saw it, and I was doing business, so I was always going over in De December and coming back in January. And year after year, all right, my last trip was in late 2008 to Russia, and uh, or 1998, excuse me. And every winter, I just saw the pole steadily deteriorating. And finally, the last time I saw it, instead of this beautiful, white, pristine field of snow and ice, it looked like a busted windshield of a car in a wrecking yard. And it was really sad. That's what that is what really started me on all of this stuff, Michael. That's that's I'm trying to figure out what it is, and I'm not gonna believe the spinmeisters, I'm gonna believe my lying eyes, because I'm seeing it at altitude. And so that was when we we're going, hey, everything with that atmosphere is being perturbed in our solar system, not just Earth, which means it's solar driven. And then the question is, is the sun responding to an interloper or is this a natural cycle of the sun? Well, we're in this new solar minimum. So obviously with the increased luminance, it's gotta be interacting with an object, which would be its smaller companion star, Nemesis, brown dwarf. Right. A few times the size of Jupiter. Now, that brings me to what we're seeing today yes. in the current articles and the alert that I'm putting up. Yes, let's get let's get right down to that. And for those that don't know, there's been all sorts of things going on with our planet and outside of the planet, new planets being discovered, more Earth-like planets being discovered. You also have asteroids coming very close to the Earth, and it has lots of scientists and other individuals, independent researchers, it has them very uneasy. Uh, do you think an asteroid will cause any potential catastrophic collision with Earth, Marshall? That is exactly what we're worried about right now. And we're in a narrow window of danger. Let me let me run it down. Go because ahead. this is, and, and there's something specifically you can do about it. And you know, make sure we talk about Bert before we end the show. We got to talk about Bert. No problem. But what happened was we put up our signs article 36, and we're going, that's when we already covered that slide. We're breaking the records and we're going, oh man, you know, I mean, what's going to happen when the other shoe falls? All right. That's what we're really thinking. It's like five months in a row. This is not good. All right. And so, I mean, this news is about as welcome as a bowl of itching powder at a hemorrhoid clinic. I agree. Yeah. No, that was quite terrible. That was so, quite the uh, visual there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I cooked that one up. I got nobody's ever said anything about it one way or the other, other than it's pretty original. That was pretty good. Oh, thank you. Thank yes. You. So, Marshall, 
we are also talking about this beta torrid meteor shower, and many believe that caused the 1908 Tunguska explosion. Is that what you believe? Actually, I do believe that uh, it, it there is. It's we call it the Tunguska event in Russia. They call it Tunguska meteorid. Tunguska. Tunguska meteorid. And it says this is a beta torrid. And Marshall, are you a beta male? <laughs> or, or are you an alpha male? I'm just curious. Beta or alpha? Yes. Gosh, I didn't even... What? What's the difference between alpha and beta? Well, a beta is a man who is has like a... Like sort of like a spirit of a woman. And a alpha is more masculine, more dominating. Are you a beta male or an alpha? I would I'd say, yeah, probably more to the beta male. You're a beta male. I can't believe it. Yeah, I would say if you had on that basis, I'd have to say more. Wow. You know, because I like the way women think. Oh, no, Marshall. No, women are really cool problem solvers because everything's everything and everything's connected. And I had the greatest when I'm, you know, working out problems. It's just like guys are kind of focused. We're in the compartment. We're in the compartment. The train is on the track. You know, you talk to a woman, everything is everything. And it's like wonderful conversation. So, okay, wow. I'll be a B. That's amazing. But I do appreciate you answering that question for me. I sort of lean more towards being an alpha and I, I suspected you to be an alpha too, Marshall. So now this threw me back just a tiny bit. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a guy and I believe in, all right, you could say I'm an alpha in the sense. Remember the Gillette ad that was had all the guys in front of the Weber grills? Oh, yes. I saw that. <laughs> I took every Gillette product I had in the house, threw it in the garbage. I'll never buy Gillette again. Wow. So does is, is that make me alpha too? I mean, it, it sort of goes against Gillette. But then again, I don't even use any products from Gillette to begin with. Yeah, well, I won't. I was always Gillette all my life. Always shaved with Gillette. Wow. You know, okay. and not not anymore. Not if they if I have to choose between my Weber grill and a Gillette to hell with Gillette. I'll keep the Weber. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go I'll against go find that. another blade. <laughs> I hear you. Well, amazing. This was great. I'm glad I asked that question. But yeah, we, we are faced with all sorts of threats currently right now on the ground and in the sky. And many scientists are definitely concerned that we could be facing a potential meteor shower that will strike us. And I believe sometime in September, correct? Well, that's what, what, we're, what we're talking about is not even September. We're talking about the beta torrids right now. And uh, we started talking, you introduced uh, Tunguska. Tunguska, right. Right, which was, that was June 30th, 1908. Right. All right, now, if you go on our site and start with signs 37, beta torrids, stowaway alert. And what happened was we were starting to see some stuff that was shaping up a few days after we published Signs 36, where we were showing the high amount of stuff. And then one morning I get a call from Clyde Lewis and he goes, what's with the stowaway stuff? And I'm going, stowaway stuff. So I dig into it and it's beta torrids stowaway. Now, let me give you the lowdown on this because this is really, really cool. Because I'm here. We pulled it, we pulled it all together. And uh, 
The Beta Torrids is a, a so-so meteor shower, not a biggie, but it comes through and uh, we pass through the swarm. Yeah. All right. That's the field of debris that is left over from the comet Enki. And it's on an orbit that takes it way out deep into our, out into a trans-Neptunian area. So that would connect it possibly with Nemesis in terms of Nemesis having an, its own debris field. And so the stowaways was a term that was put in an article. And it is a, what they were saying is there's noculent clouds. Now, noculent clouds, we don't see them down here in the lower 48. You'd see them up in North Alaska because you got to be up in the Arctic Circle to see noculent clouds, which are literally, you know, darn near, you know, up to... <laughs> yeah, the inoculant they're, they're clouds. They're the highest clouds. They're just below space. And they're so beautiful okay? to look at, by the way. Oh, yeah, they're really gorgeous. And uh, the thing is, these noculent clouds started appearing in San Francisco, Oklahoma, and in Europe. Down, We're talking down into the 30s. They've they've come they're they're twenty degrees south of where they should be. And the beta torrids inoculant clouds, there is no historical connection. Never before have noculent clouds appeared with the beta torrids. And so what astronomers were saying is that there were stowaways. Stowaways, stowaways in other words, yeah. There's something in the beta torrid stream that wasn't normally there before. And that's and the reason why the noculent clouds are moving down is what, and they have a pretty good term for it. They call it asteroid dust. All right. And, but you have in the swarm on one end, you have, you know, dust that's as fine as, uh, as talcum powder on one extreme. On the other, you have rocks that are a hundred meters in size, give or take. Tunguska was one of those big ones. Yes. All right. And Tunguska happened on June 30th, which was, that was when Earth was passing through the densest part of the swarm field itself. And by the way, Marshall, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but we do have a caller. Sure. Yeah, let's take this call really quickly here, and we'll get back to Tunguska. All right. Caller, are you alive? Caller. I am. I'm taking myself off mute. Hi. Uh, there you, you go. I, I had no idea you were on mute. Thank you for that. Um, wow, I wasn't expecting to actually get the call. Hi, Marshall. Hi, hey. Michael. How are you guys doing tonight? I um, can't complain. Wow. So I have quite an amazing story. Um, I don't even know where to start. I wasn't really expecting you to pick up, but uh, my mom um, had a stroke, and I moved up here to Reno, and I discovered Marshall's work actually living in the Bay Area before I moved up here. And um, your work has been amazing to me, Marshall, and I just want to thank you for that. And um, I've been on actually Jimmy, Jimmy Church's um, radio podcast. Um, I met Foster Gamble at a David Icke show and um, you, your, your truth has resonated with me um, from my own experiences. And I just wanted to officially thank you for that. And I appreciate what you're doing. I'm glad I, I took this call. People, so I, I don't think hmm. enough, I don't think enough people tell you that how much you've done for our planet. And I just wanted to thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much. You made my day. Thank you, Marshall. You made my week. Yeah, I mean, isn't it? <laughs> you made my day taking my call. I was it, not even isn't expecting. It? I, I clicked two days ahead. ago. I got this this live 
you know, thing and I clicked on it and, you know, I'm still learning because I'm not on my phone all the time because I love how you did the other day with Rex Bear. You just had a thing where you were like looking at your phone and I actually do that when I'm at work. I go, and you did that. And I was like, oh my God, I do that at work. And I was laughing my head off because I do that all the time. But it's just um, unbelievable what impact you've made. And I really want to thank you. Isn't that difficult, by the way, Marshall? Anytime someone uh, compliments you to that sort of magnitude, it it always leaves me kind of confused. Not with you, but myself personally. When there's people that say how much they like the show, I'm always I'm always thinking, oh man, I I'm at a loss for words. Okay, not me. I'll take it. (laughs) I know you'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Well. You know, I started this research only because, um, and this is my true experience, and I will I will share it. Um, my father passed away in August 12th of 2008, and um, when you talk about a Star Trek future, I, I really do believe there there is a, a promise for a Star Trek future um, because of the dream I had continuously, and I actually shared this on the Jimmy Church um, pro- bo- pro- broadcast as well um, when I somehow ended up with tickets at a David Icke show and um I I looked up and the one true documentary that I saw that that really brought to light a lot of um information was Foster Gamble. I look up there's Foster Gamble and it just blew my mind and and so my research led me down a path and of course you know I I <laughs> I go back in my archives and I go I I don't even know how I know all this stuff but I I do attribute it to the dream of when my father passed away in mine and my brother's arms. And when he died, I had a a true change and I saw what was going to happen and 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 I just thank you for what you're doing. Wow. Marshall, thank you. Dear, I want you to tell me about this more. I, you know, I do what I do because 90% or more of the people who follow my work Find me for the same reason that you did. They've had a profound spiritual experience, dream, vision, premonition. What you had was a shared death experience. And I did. I, 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 I would did. like for I you, did. if you don't mind it, I, I know it's personal information, but if you would share it, it that would be good. I should write something about it, yes. I should Absolutely. write a book. What? What? I don't even but, this was that you're saying. Have... This was saying your father was passing, and you were with your father, and then that's when you had this experience. Yes. Okay. What I want you to do is, and I know it's painful to relive a moment like that, but take me just before and just after your experience, and then tell me what you were shown, the vision that you were given. Can you do that? Right now. Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. No. Okay. Um. So my brother and I were holding my father, and we were saying the Our Father, and mm-hmm. we had he actually had rewritten the Our Father as a rendition, and it it stuck in my mind. So I, when my brother and I were holding him, we knew that that's what he wanted us to say, and we were holding him. And then I remember walking out of the hospital after he passed away, um, when I was looking up at the sky and just feeling so unbelievably overwhelmed. And then um, a couple of uh, days later, um, I had to go back to work. At, I worked at the uh, Save Mart at the time. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, my father passed away in Modesto, California. And then um, the nurse that 
was there that night, I went back to work a couple of weeks later, and the nurse that was actually there helping my father walked in all the way in Pleasanton, California, and I looked up, and I knew it was him because he was there, and he was the one that called us to come to the hospital, and that was so profound for me. He was there, and I, how could he be from Modesto a couple of weeks later showing up in Pleasanton, California, and then that was the beginning of it. And then I started having dreams. Um, my dad took me flying. I ended up, and then I kept having these repetitive dreams where um, I was flying across the planet and seeing destruction everywhere with my dad. And I ended up on the spaceship. And this dream happened like at least seven times, at least six or seven times. I, I don't know how many times it was, but it was so profound to me. Let me ask you a I, question. We, yeah. You said it happened seven times. Did the dream I, I don't know exactly. Uh, at least seven times. Seven and times. proceed and end exactly the same each seven or eight times. Yes, exactly the same. Okay. You've had so, an incredibly profound experience. What happened to you is real. Okay. okay. And don't, I've don't been let to reach somebody out with to, dead animal skins on the wall tell you differently. Hmm? Thank you for that. Thank you, because I've been feeling so alone in this with this experience and trying to reach out. But I've had so many synchronistic events happen after that. And, and, and what, what you did is you opened the gateway. You know, dear, before you incarnated, you decided all of this before you incarnated. And you decided it with your soul family. And now they're coming and they're helping you on cue. And they're helping you to embrace what's coming so that you can prepare for it and help others and to be in service. And so there is a real and noble thing, reason for what you did. And first off, I want to say how wonderful was it you're, you had such a wonderful, loving relationship with your father and your family. Yeah, he was my this, best friend. Yeah, this is the this is an incredible blessing. That's true. And you've had a powerful, powerful experience. Now, and, and I feel a little, you know, I'm if it's awkward, don't. But if you could step me through that vision, what you saw after each and everything, and then when you're finished, I can share something with you so that you understand you're not alone. But walk me through your vision, because this is a profound vision. This was coming from across the veil. This wasn't something you cooked up. This is your ancestors were feeding this to you. That's the reason why God, it repeats so, perfectly. That's so weird. Okay. So okay. go through, step, step us through exactly what you saw each and every time. Where did, you know, beginning with when you first realize where you're at. Tell us about that moment when you first realized. I It felt like I was walking on clouds. Okay. The original feeling of the dream. And he he grabbed my hand because my, mm -hmm. my father was a mechanical engineer. And it led me down a lot of other um, research as well. But mm -hmm. what I saw when I reached out, and, and this is the one part that I remember the most, because a lot of it's blurry, but the one I remember the most is reaching my hand out and touching this orb, and it had, um, like, multicolors, kind of like, not like a rainbow, but 
it, I reached out and, and we touched it and then we went flying and we saw, um, a lot of the earth dying. Like it was, there was fires. And then when I, and, and I actually went to the rim fire cause he was, he worked at Yosemite and I thought this was all mm-hmm. coming from my consciousness cause he worked at Yosemite and he was a mechanical engineer and all these different things started to correlate together. And I thought it was just my subconscious cooking this up, right? Like, like, <laughs> you know, just trying to, but it seemed like he knew me enough to connect the dots in an abstract way for me to have it make sense. So what I was seeing was that we need to move forward with new energy technologies. So that that's what it originally, that's what it, I finally, to come up with the words, with the abstract visions I was given was that we need to move forward in, in new energy technologies because he was so much into it. He had actually written stuff down about it mm-hmm. and it really was so profound that this is what, our planet needs right now. Uh, by the way, caller, this is what we oh need right now. Uh, caller, what's your name? I feel bad just referring to you as caller. I'm sorry. I, my name is Dana. Dana. Okay, there we go. Uh, Dana, and uh, my my uncle's actually worked. For, my my uncle um works. My my, my uncle passed away. My, my both my uncles owned a business. My my dad was the oldest of the family, and um he was the carpenter and taught them a lot of stuff but they work for george lucas and oh, wow. the clerks the clerks theatrical specialties but uh my dad was the brains <laughs> oh they understood understood he and, definitely was yes and i i do i'm not kicking you off yet but i do want to no, thank that's you okay. for and i do appreciate you for asking me my yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to say thank you so I do much. I want us to move, move right, forward as, right. as a species. Right. I just Star wanted to uh, <laughs> thank you for calling in and saying what you did. I know it's a little awkward, a little difficult to is, pick up a phone and I, to tell us the things you did. So I, I appreciate it completely. I, and I, I know absolutely. Marshall feels the exact same I've, way. I've gained my trust with, with your work. So that's thank you. Go ahead, Marshall. Get in there. Handle Marshall. this. Dana? Dear, what happened to you is absolutely real. I don't want you to ever, ever again for the rest of your life doubt it. I don't care who says what. You know what happened. You know what you know. Nothing is going to change this. And the other thing I want to say to you, Dana, is you may not be thinking this right now, but I've been doing this long enough to know. There's someone else out there listening to this broadcast right now, and they're crying alongside you, dear. Thank you. You touched them. And there's someone out there now who, thanks to you, having the courage to share this personal experience, you've touched someone's life out there. More than one. I've been doing this, all right, since 1999. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, God. You've made a difference for someone out there. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Oh yes. And may we pers- may we persevere. Absolutely. All right. All right, God Dana. Bless. Take care. Thank you. Good night, right. Dana. Good night. Bye. And there she goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was a Dana with a very, very heartbreaking phone call. Yeah. That must have been kind of up, uh, or not kind of. It must have been very difficult uh, for her to call in and relay that story to us all, Marshall. Oh my gosh. Oh difficult. I mean, people who have these experiences, 
who do they turn to and talk to? They they talk to friends and family, and all of a sudden they're going, that's all bull, and I that's don't want right. to hear about it. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, you get shunned away. It's mockery, and, and it's like she's— you know, she's been shown something and she wants to share it out of love and service to others. That These was are a, noble virtues. That was a very emotional call. Yes. And, I, I might even cry. Yeah. Well, not really, but I did feel I did feel for her though. I, I do feel bad that she went through this sort of experience, but it was also a very uh, humbling experience for her, I'm sure. Are you feeling a beta male twitch? I was. I was feeling a little beta right now. <laughs> Just a little bit. That's a good one, Marshall. Yeah. There we go. So she's seeing, and this is what people see, like Dana. Dana, right. All right. They see impact events, fires, all kinds of terrible things happening, and tsunamis, impacts. And it's always the same, you know, it's always round up the usual suspects. Remember that, you know, from Casablanca at the end where Rick shoots the, the Nazi colonel and his Buddy, the police chief, says, round up all the usual suspects. I love that scene, yeah. Let's go join the resistance. (laughs) And so it goes that way. But, you know, it's when that's that's what really holds my feet to the fire to do this work is when people like Dana reach out to me and they say, thanks for helping. Yeah, that was something else, Marshall. I'm glad you got to experience that sort of phone call because it really does make you feel like you really impacted someone's life for the better. And I've had a few of those, uh, except in a form of email, some of those mm-hmm. were really bad, even to the point of a divorce and being separated from kids and uh, my show and myself. Uh, I was one of the reasons that helped this individual get through all sorts of um, sleepless nights. Uh, you know, I've had these sort of emails and I'm always just puzzled. And what's the proper way to respond to someone like that? You listen. Yeah, that's all you can do, really. You listen. That's, but you know, I mean, it sounds like a simple thing. Sounds trivial. Who the hell listens? Ah. They don't listen. Everybody else says, shut up, put a sock in it. You're crazy. You're insane. I'm going to divorce you. (laughs) Right. You know, you know, and that's not a joke. That's not a joke. There have been, I've seen so many divorces as a result of it. And you know, here's the interesting thing is nine times out of 10, the one who files the divorce is not the one making the threats. The one who files the divorce is the one who is being in, just bullied and intimidated by spouse, family, whatever. And they finally get to the point where, you know, there's no way they're going to be intimidated into silence or submission. When, you, when your mind embraces this, there's no going back. There's no going back. And so... You know, they'll have a spouse that says, stop this or I'll divorce you. Stop this or I'll divorce you. It's always this thumb on the big red button nonsense. And finally, one day, the experiencer, the person who's having these dreams, visions, premonitions, doing the research, following this stuff, one day they finally go, I'm tired of it. I'd much rather live alone than to live with this abuse because there's no way I can submit to what you're asking. No way. All right. And so nine times out of 10, they're the ones that file the divorce and the other one's going, what did you do that for? And this is what I see. This is what happens. And so, you know, for me, that's why I want to help people. Yeah. And it just is, 
And it really makes for me, Michael, a very satisfying life. It's a difficult life. It's a very difficult life. I'm under tremendous shadow banning suppression. Right. Um, you know, I'm economically attacked, uh, you know, at every opportunity they hit me. Uh, they want to suppress the work, but I'm not the only one. So I, you know, I talk to other folks that are doing this, researchers, writers, hosts. Uh, what's happening right now with the media, with social media, is uh, it, it's well, it's pretty, it's pretty I mean, wild. It's like, I don't know. Are they, you know, it's like YouTube should change this name to KGB. Well, I mean, they totally went against their own policies, which, which what they stood for originally back in ni- uh, 19, back in 2007, rather the whole, mm-hmm. yeah, their whole guidelines and the way their protocol was set up. It was completely different than what they aspire to be now. Now they are completely engulfed by the quote-unquote major corporations, they are the ones that are truly in charge. Yeah. and Repulsive, uh, really. You know, truth truth, and reputation don't show up on the balance sheet, all right? <laughs> and they just, they want the numbers, and they'll do whatever, and they'll say whatever. There's no ethics. But the reason why is that, you know, first off, and, this, and it's going to annoy some people out there, but... The fact is, every president after Reagan and before Trump was a globalist, all right? And if you look at the deconstruction of our nation, it happened between Reagan and Trump. And we see NAFTA, China and the WTO, concentration of the media, taxes, legislation, factories moving overseas, you know, the one of the things that I, I make a point of in this current article I put up on Q is that the goal of the globalists is to create a world where there are no powerful nations. They want to, not only they want to take America down, they want to take Russia down as well. And they want, you know, they they find that they work well with the Chinese and that's working out for them, although I don't think the Chinese so enamored with it. But what they want to do is they want to create a uniformly poor world where there's just a handful of lords and ladies at the top who are waited on hand and foot, and everybody else is struggling, you know, buried in debt, eating crap food, and, you know, just trying to just trying to go. So I saw this, and that's all part of the Agenda 21. I saw it moving. Now we're, there's a chance that we can move away from that. And that, because that's what's really important, is we have to stand up for freedom. That's what you you take. I'm seeing this from a Planet X viewpoint. When I'm looking at the Patriot movement, you have Brexit, Yellow Jacket, MAGA. I don't care what you say about them. The fact is, these are the people who were taking it in the shorts from the globalists. They were the ones watching their factories and their retirement disappear. All right. And so that's where the pushback is coming from. And they're saying, we want our countries back, but they want their freedom back as well. This is so exciting for me in terms of Planet X, because we're not going to survive the flyby unless the whole paradigm shifts. And I'm seeing that, and the paradigm's not going to shift unless people are reaching up and grabbing the handle. And I am seeing that. That is a wonderful thing. You know, I write in my book, Being in it for the Species. I go at great length about what is going to happen in the interaction between our world and Nibiru when the Anunnaki arrive. 
because they're going to come for two things, gold and women. The women are for slave breeding programs, and they'll treat them like indentured servants. The gold, they don't need it. They don't have a they don't use our monetary system at all. They use the gold, they, they grind it up into a talcum consistency, and they use it in their atmosphere to reflect sunlight and radiation because they're in around a very, very dirty star, which is a brown dwarf. And when they're passing through the core of our system, it tears the heck up out of their atmosphere. And it's going to do the same thing to us. What Dana was seeing what her father was showing her, absolutely right. And her father going, energy is really important. Absolutely. Dana, if you're still living, your dad is sending you the right message, dear, because it's going to take power. It's going to take technology for people to survive what's coming. Yeah, that's true. And it's going to be pretty. We should have asked her if she is still experiencing these sort of dreams now. Usually the pattern will run a course and then it ends. Now, I can tell you the first time I had a similar dream like this. An uh, apocalyptic type dream? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, This was uh, back in the 70s. I was a young man in my late 20s. And uh, at the time, I was uh, working for a computer company in Houston. And I started getting this recurring dream every night. And it was absolutely IMAX clarity. IMAX clarity. I could hear, see, I could, I could feel. You could feel it. I could smell all five senses, all five senses. And so I would fall asleep, and my vision always began exact same place. I was standing on a knoll overlooking in a a camp, a government camp, a triage camp. A triage camp, that's where people go and you're going to die. We can cure you or we can keep you comfortable until you die. Those are your choices. And this triage camp, I remember looking, there was a big gorge in a mountain range and people were coming up on a road through that gorge to this triage camp. And I could see down below me where they were being sorted out and processed. And then there were special bunkers for them to go to where they were giving heroin IV drips and they could do that until they died and let just let the bag go free when they're ready to let go of their lives. Those That was for the ones that were contagious. For the ones that weren't, they were, uh, they were put into a little area with a little creek that was running and uh, given basic comforts and uh, where they could... They could stay there until they died. And then there was an area where people would go and uh, they would kneel down to a trench and uh, someone would come, a releaser was called, would come from behind and put a small caliber bullet in the back of their head and then they would fall forward into the trench. And death is instantaneous. You put a bullet into the medulla oblongata or the apricot, as it is called by uh, sharpshooters or snipers, uh, you hit that. That's it. They put a bullet through your medulla oblongata. You're dead before you even know you're dead. That's it. It's just that fast. Well, I saw all of this, and I knew that there was a big metroplex on the other side of that mountain, but I didn't know where it was. But I remembered every detail in perfect, absolutely perfect. Now, I had this dream night after night after night. 
I tried to stop it. I would get up in the middle of the dream. It would resume exactly where I left off when I went back to sleep. If I got stoned or drunk or anything. <laughs> it's still there. Still there. Still there. Wow. Nothing. It finally, it finally, it was so disturbing and miserable that. It's one lucid it dream. Gave, uh, the, the stress of it gave me hemorrhoids. Wow. And I had to have surgery. Oh, my God, Marshall. And that was when the dream went away. You know, and. You know, so the fact that she had hers for seven days, I mean, for me, it was almost a month. It was horrifying. It was horrifying. So the fact that she was only seven times, trust me, Dana, if you're listening, your dad was thinking of you, honey. He didn't want to push you over the edge and you'd have a physical episode. So you were blessed. And that's what happens. And, you know, the thing was, when I have these experiences, I always get confirmation after because what happened... This was, oh, in the, you know, in the late 70s in Houston. Well, fast forward to the 90s. You know, and I'm, I'm from Houston. I'm constantly, I'm jumping from Houston to Austin, and I went from there back to Phoenix and Phoenix. I went to San Francisco. In San Francisco, I went down into the Santa Cruz area. And then from there, I went up to a little place called Brookdale. And I started writing my book, God's Child Covenant, in 2003. It was a fiction title. And the first four chapters had white man's disease. Okay, you know, I can't get no satisfaction. It just, I, I couldn't get a rhythm. I see. And so a friend of mine, I'm telling him about it, and he's, you know, he's reading my stuff, and he goes, yeah, 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 you ain't getting it, you ain't getting it. And he says, but you know, uh, there's a place I go to every day after I day trade just to go read and relax. Why don't you meet me there? Called the Lexington Reservoir. I met him at the reservoir. This is just south of Los Gatos, California, on the opposite side of the Santa Cruz Mountain from the Silicon Valley. And he said, hey, why don't we go over there as a boathouse for the sculling teams for the university? They couldn't have any engines in it because it's a drinking reservoir lake. And so I went over to the boathouse, and I walked out on the, on the hill that led down a sharp knoll to the boat docks. And when I got to the top, I was standing. Mind you, mind you, this was some 20 years after. I was standing on the exact place, seeing the exact terrain before me that I had in Texas in that recurring vision. And when I, I, I sat there, and the only difference between what I saw in the vision and what I saw in front of me was in the vision, it was all defoliated and bleak. It was dirt and dead trees and a lot of really suffering people. And I remember the people. They were all thin, emaciated, and they were covering themselves with bed sheets, and they had these big ulcers all over their body because they weren't able to wash the volcanic ash. It, uh, the Hebrew term for it from uh, Exodus is chicken, all right? And they couldn't get the ash, which is one of the plagues of Exodus. And so that was causing these terrible ulcers, which are very painful to form on their skin. And these people, their spirit was broken. They're, they're, they're walking like ghosts to this place, quiet. Nobody's, nobody's crying. Nobody's complaining. It's just, I'm going to die or they're going to save me. And I... When I looked at this place, and I'm standing where I'd stood 20 years ago in that recurring vision, and it was absolutely perfect in every detail, Michael. Wow. Perfect. Perfect. 
And I just collapsed to the ground and I started crying like a child. You had a beta moment. I had a beta moment. That's all yeah. right, though. You had a beta twitch. It's okay. Big beta. Beta Big twitch. Beta. Yeah. And so that was, and the thing was, over a course of 20 years, I never knew where this place was. I just kept moving in a direction to the west. Brookdale is 10 miles away from the Lexington Reservoir. And when I rented in Brookdale, I had no idea why. I mean, I wasn't really thinking about that because even though I was that close to the reservoir, it was, you know, I had moved there and then my friend said, come and take a look. And then all of a sudden I'm realizing I had moved within 10 miles of a place of great death and suffering yes. that I had seen in a vision 20 years ago. That's a wild, so, wild synchronicity. That's right. But it's not the only one. It's not the only one. And I had others. And that's that's what brought me to this. That's what brought and you so, to the dance, as they say. Yeah. And so when people say, Marshall, thanks for the help, I appreciate it. I appreciate them. I know exactly what they're going through and they're feeling. And so when they're thanking me, it's not about me going, oh, look at me. True. It's, hey, I helped another one. Yeah. Oh, that's what God, it's all about, that makes Marshall. My day. Yeah. It makes my day when people say, Yeah, really help me. I don't feel so isolated and beaten down with this. You know? Yes. And that that that's what floats my boat. Yes. And Marshall, when I was talking about that September 9th date, I was referring to asteroid two thousand six uh, QV eighty nine. Ah yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we uh, there we're tracking them, usually with asteroids, and it's a thankful thing is that the longer they track the asteroid, the more likely it is that it will be in a benign orbit. It won't be an Earth crosser and hit, and hit us. So the odds are reducing. But on the other hand, we have this nemesis cloud with God knows what's in it with a lot of iron oxide. That's the reason why. One of the things I point out in uh, my science beta 38, beta torrids, is that not only do we have the noculent clouds coming down, but China is reporting, excuse me, a sprite storm that is amazing. I saw that. Yes. And so, excuse me, the reason why I'm amazed with that is uh, a sprite for your listeners is lightning that goes from the ground up. Lightning comes from the, from the air down. Sprites go from the ground up. And uh, the and the the mother of all sprites that you don't want to be around is called a solar sprite or cosmic lightning, and that is a lightning bolt emanating from the sun that hits a planet. I got that photograph up now from your website for those in the chat room, and yeah, that's a pretty outrageous looking photograph there, Marshall. It is, it is, and you know that uh, it just. I'm looking at that, and I'll tell you what it's telling me. I'm looking from the color and everything. Is the nemesis cloud, now our solar system, we have the Oort cloud. It's a big ball of debris that surrounds our solar system from when the sun, you know, went first, you know, sparked to life. All right? And nemesis has its own version of an Oort cloud. Now, the nemesis system, obviously, it's it's what we call a mini constellation. It's very small relative to us. So the nemesis cloud is probably the size of the orbit of Jupiter. And so this is something we've been tracking in our signs articles, and that in this nemesis cloud, 
is going to be a huge amount of iron oxide. This is typical with brown dwarfs. And so when we're looking at noculent clouds that are coming down 20 degrees from where they normally should be, it's because there's asteroid dust coming in from the swarm, and this weight is bringing them down. And that's literally what you're seeing is streams of debris as inoculant cloud. Now, that's pulling it down. But when we add the, these sprites from China, all right, now it tells me not only are we picking up all the asteroid dust from the Beta Dorid stream, that dust has a lot of iron in it. Yeah, they're interacting. That's right. Wow. That's right. That is insane. And so this really is what we're having right now. This is what I, I mean, there's a lot of people that'll say, well, you know, they have a theory about this affecting the Earth from Planet X, a direct causality from Planet X. And I've never really been able to find one, you know, that I could bite down on. All right. The rest of them were, you know, it's kind of like lettuce. You got to eat a ton of it to get a few net calories. And on the other hand, with these noculent clouds plus the Chinese sprites, hey, this is a whole new ball game, kiddos. It sure is. Now we are directly interfacing because it's coming in on the beta torrents. Now, and we have between now and mid-July, we're passing through the swarm. And what I believe, working with my team, J.P. Jones, all right, and the other folks that work with me, and they're wonderful volunteers, all, and fantastic people, and dedicated and committed. Couldn't do what I'd do without them. And they're looking at all this. And what we're looking forward now is, one, we really don't want another Tunguska event or even a 2013 Chelyabinsk. Because if you have something like that, an airburst detonating over a major city. It's over. It's over. Chelyabinsk was 30 times Hiroshima on terms of energy. And Tunguska was up between five to 750 times. Armageddon was right. Absolutely. My goodness. Absolutely. The but, premise on that was was spot on. So uh, we're looking at what's coming up next and uh, what's going to happen with the Perseids. Yes, and I do have the Beta Torrid Stowaway Alert, that image up for those in the uh, chat room there. So they're mm -hmm. getting a good look of that sort of route that it's taking there. And we are in the crosshairs. We're in the crosshairs. Now, <clears throat> what I want everybody to do is... If you go to Signs 37, and I think I also did it in Signs 38, it's at the bottom of the article, and there is Duck and Cover 1951 Bert the Turtle. All right. Now, when I can find something that's older than me, that's a good day. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're not getting any Duck younger, Marshall. Pardon? I said, we're not getting any younger. We're not. And uh, so Bert the Turtle from 1951... This was, you know, Cold War. And this was, there was this, they were telling the public, yeah, you can survive a hydrogen bomb. Oh, really? You know, so what are we doing? I mean, as a kid, we were in have duck and cover drills. And I remember, you know, we'd the teacher would say, duck and cover. And we'd all get under our desks. We're looking at the teacher. Teacher's just looking at his watch or her watch. You know, finally one day I said, how come you're not under your desk? He said, because this is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not so pointless now in hindsight now, right? 
No, it's not. And so they produced this wonderful film called uh, Duck and Cover with Bert the Turtle. Bert the Turtle. And Bert the Turtle. And it is, uh, if you watch this film, and it's it's worth it. It's only nine minutes and 14 seconds, guys. That's just, you know, for those of you out there that are doing the clickbait and the fear porn, just kind of slip it into the slime somewhere. This is useful. And Duck and Cover is telling you how to survive a nuclear event initially. And what it's saying is, you see the bright flash, you duck and cover. You get down, there's things that you can do. You find defilade. All right. You're, you're wanting to get earth between you or building something between you and what's coming because first is the flash. All right. And then you're going to have the pressure wave that'll be following after it. And that's what's really going to tear everything to heck in a handbasket. And you want to be, uh, you want to be on the ground now, then an atomic bomb, you know, then the bad news really comes on. And whereas with, if you have a, a, a bolide, or in a case, this is a super bolide, then if you're, st you're still dealing with the very same beginning issues, which is the flash and the pressure wave, all right? And so if you watch ducking cover, it's going to give you very good advice on what to do so that if there is an airburst of a super bolide, that the minute you see the flash, you're going to do something. Now, why is it important for you to do that? 2013 Chelyabinsk, there were like 1,500 people, I believe, that were injured. A lot of them, it was broken glass flying into their faces. And no doubt, there were a lot of folks that lost vision in, in one eye. Um, God, I hope not, you know, I hope there were ones that weren't totally blinded. And why is it this happened? Because when the flash from Chelyabinsk occurred, I mean, it was 30 times brighter than the sun. So, of course, everybody goes to the window to see what happens just in time for the pressure wave to hit and blow the window in their face. And so if the people in Chelyabinsk had watched Bert the Turtle and they would do what is our government was telling us to do in 1951, not one of them would have been hurt. That's amazing. And by the way, there is a Bert the Turtle song. Really? Yeah, I had no oh, idea. Yeah, there is a Bert the Turtle song in I, there, yeah. I never heard of it. Um, I should have um, should have found that to cue that up. I mean, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Bert yeah. the Turtle. Bert the Turtle. Wow. And so you want to, uh, you know, that's the one thing tonight, folks. After this, go to my site. Just scroll to the bottom of Science 37 or Science 38, and I've got Bert the Turtle right there, and you can go straight to it and watch it. It'll be good. You'll see what's happening, and then we're going to watch what happens with the Persids. And um, are we going to have the same thing again? Are we going to start, like this time it was knocking clouds and uh, sprites? Completely bizarre. And we're still... Keep in mind, remember, Tunguska was on June 30th, and it was in the middle, the densest part of when the Beta Torrid stream passes Earth. And so we're we're not up to the Tunguska. We're 10 days away from the, Degust, the Tunguska time frame. And I'm going to tell you something. 
That is really something people should be thinking about seriously because down in uh, the, you have from Cape Whale Ghost, uh, the coast, all right, and uh, the Southern Cape Astronomy Club, and they down in South Africa, and they have reported a bolide. Now, the difference between a bolide and a super bolide. A bolide, a fireball is that big smoker that goes across the sky. The bolide is when you're going to have a flash. It detonates. It's big enough to detonate. A super bolide is going to have flash and sound and pressure wave. All right. The Chelyabinsk was that. Now, what happened in down in South Africa, and this was just on January. This was uh, this was for 2019, January 16th, and that was when they spotted this down there. And we don't see these things reported up here. This bolide wasn't really reported. So they're happening, and that's the point I want to make: is it's happening. But also, NPR just posted an article uh, on June 20th. Americans want NASA to focus more on asteroid impacts and less on yes. getting to Mars. That's one thing I was going to mention to you that the public, uh, according to polls, and I'm not quite sure where I didn't I didn't follow up exactly where these polls were coming from, but I'm sure they explained. Um, it showed that the American people are more concerned about asteroids than going to Mars or the Moon. I thought that was rather interesting. Yeah, well, I think it's evolutionary. I think it's really excellent. People are becoming more aware because there's, you know, for a long time, you know, people just didn't think about it. It was something that happened to dinosaurs 65 million years ago. And frankly, impact events, it was uh, when we saw the impacts, uh, I think, what was that, back in the 80s uh, on Jupiter, uh, the Levy? Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any one of those impacts, by the way, would have been an extinction-level event on Earth. And I remember watching the videos, and people are seeing this, the astronomers, and they're going, ooh, ah, oh, cool. And I'm sitting there going, what is your major malfunction? Any one of these freaking rocks would take us out. Humankind is going to wait 10,000 years for extraterrestrial, you know, to dig us up, like in the movie Artificial Intelligence. Yes. So, ah, but that was, you know, that's when it became a concern. But now it's much more of a concern. Think what's going to happen when all of a sudden one of these things air bursts over a major city like New York, Chicago, Paris. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's only a matter of time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's a real concern. So I am, you know, I'm watching this. I'm concerned. And, you know, but frankly, the only thing you can really do is watch Bert the Turtle. And remember, 70% of the surface of the planet is covered with water. I try to find the you know, uh, Bert the Turtle song, by the way, Marshall, but if I play it, it's going to get us flagged here on YouTube, unfortunately. Oh. I know. I wanted to yeah, play it so no, you don't want to do that. YouTube is turned into the... Wild, wild west and the sheriff's a mean drunk. Yes, I don't want to disturb the Gustapo now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I am, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I would love nothing more than to just see him come down and say, eh, eh. Oh, they. No, you're not, because they, you know what they did 
was and they betrayed their whole business model that got you know they said we're an open we're we're a town square we're an open platform good bad or otherwise everybody come and talk everybody came to talk and now they're acting like publishers that's true uh we're going to publish you but we're not going to publish you or we're going to let you spend a year of your life building a channel and then we're politically because we don't agree with you we're going to trash your year of hard work I know it's it's really ridiculous what has come down uh, to this new standard, this new protocol, the whole follow our narrative or else you'll yeah. be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Boy, you that's, know, uh, really cute there. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, my uncles were in World War II. I don't think they fought for Facebook to do that. No, of course not. Yeah. Well, that's a that's... whole nother issue there as well. The oh. whole Facebook issue and Mark Zuckerberg, who definitely sold us down the river. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's, I mean, to me, Facebook's a CIA operation, so. Oh, yes, uh, oh, yes. So, Marshall, I also wanted to ask you about other things as we move along here tonight. There uh, definitely is a plethora of topics here we can get into tonight. And, of course, I did want to mention uh, President Trump to you as well. And mm -hmm. other other officials out there were briefed, apparently, about UFOs, and that was a very hot topic. As of late, we've seen all the news articles and the press that the story has been receiving. Um, I'm quite curious what your take of all this media frenzy in terms of ufology now. Well, what they're wanting to do is they want to get Trump to say, yeah, I think there's something to him, and then they're going to say, you know, our... <laughs> We're going to 25 him because he's mentally incompetent. He believes in UFOs. So, you know, the thing with Trump and when he answers things, and I, I, I'm a, I'm a patriot, but I will be the first to say, you don't take Trump at face value. And because he's walking through minefields, political minefields. And I just put an article up um, on the site about what's happening with Iran. But it's more for me. That's another Trump. issue. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, that's another issue. Yeah, we'll go there. Go but, ahead. Uh, the thing about it for me from a Planet X standpoint is Trump's a breath of fresh air in terms of Planet X. Remember, as I said, every president after Reagan and before Trump was a globalist. Globalists want to destroy the strength of the two nations, Russia and the United States, and the whole world is universally poor and in debt to them, and they live like, you know, ancient kings and queens, and we all grovel in the mud. That's what the globalists want. So that is, in terms of Planet X, that's not a good thing when we have the flyby and it's coming through. Now, now I mean, I've been on your show before, and I remember when I was telling you is that when you hear on CNN— um, you know, that, uh, and you're right, Marshall, you've been at this for years and yeah. you've been at this uh, with the sign series. And a lot of these articles, uh, you write them as ongoing series and it, it's coming to fruition now. Yeah. The things I'm writing about, you read my book, surviving the planet X tribulation. I have, you know, I explain the celestial, mechanics of what's going to unfold in very simple layman's terms. And I have series of slides that build on it. Everything that I said then is playing out exactly now. And so if you read Surviving the Planet X Tribulation, 
you'll understand in very good detail exactly what's happening, what's coming, what we can do to deal with it. And the thing is that in order for us to deal with what's coming is that it's going to require spiritual strength and moral fiber. That's what's really going to make it. If my philosophy is survival for the sake of survival, is it's a no-win scenario. Because this is when, when this thing unfolds, it's not going to, when it really goes sideways and we're in the middle of the tribulation, we're talking about a decade, 10 years is what I'm projecting. Yes. And Marshall, this is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why you created your book, Radio Free Earth. Exactly. Because we're not going to be able to rebuild. You know, I don't want to I don't I don't want to talk about the end of this civilization. Oh, I know. It's painful to talk I, about that, but you know. Yeah, it's, and it, and it's also pointless. It's pointless. Yeah. It's it's pointless. It's I'm talking about the beginning of the next civilization or more specifically, how do we create a clean slate for the beginning of an age of enlightenment? Because we come out of this thing and we come out of it as a free species where we are not owned like cattle by the central banksters and the deep state and the globalists and all of these people who are absolutely convinced that we need to suffer for their ideas, but of course they don't suffer, all right? I, I could see for years, it was, it, was, uh, it was a sadness in me to see it that they were winning, they were winning, they were going to prevail. We were just going to be like mullets, like lemmings running off a cliff. Now, all of a sudden, there's this global freedom movement, and we're, we're and where in the hell is it written that we have to die like lemmings anyway? Where? Okay? And so we are seeing this wonderful upswelling of strength and spirituality and a return to freedom. And you know, you want to mock it as nationalist, you want to mock it as populist, you want to mock it however you want to mock it, but this is what we need. When I look at these people, they're stout-hearted. They're good, God-fearing, stout-hearted people. And that's what's necessary. Now, here's something else I want to make a point of. When, you know, everyone is poo-pooing, they're going, oh, the Patriots, all those smelly Walmart people. And Look at where patriots and globalists, and when I say globalists, I'm including Democrats and Republicans. Sure. There's plenty of schmucks on both sides <laughs> of the fence that are into this. Absolutely. And uh, the the thing is that they want, you know, they want everybody to die. I mean, and they're going to take over and if they're trying to rule a world with 7 billion people, that's a little rough. If it's reduced down to a quarter of a billion, and it will hit a low point, and I think that, you know, we're going through that 10-year phase, we will hit a point where we hit down to as few as a quarter of a billion humans alive on the planet. But by the end of the tribulation, we'll probably be up closer to a half a million. Yes, and to set this up properly even further, I did want to ask you this, since it does go hand in hand with what we're talking about here in terms of legitimate scientific research we do know plenty of it has been suppressed uh, by who uh, we don't exactly know there's only uh, a few ideas of who it could actually be that does suppress a lot of these scientific analysis that that do break through 
And a good example of this would be uh, at the time, uh, the church, the king, whoever, uh, mm-hmm. we had uh, Galileo and Copernicus. These two mm-hmm. were basically scrutinized for their work long ago. Yeah, but look what we have today. You know, the Lucifer Telescope, and called it's also called the Vatican Telescope. Yeah. It's in southeast Arizona. Actually, if you live in Arizona and you want to know where the safest place to survive is in Arizona— you want to go live somewhere around that telescope. And uh, it was very purposefully placed there by the Vatican. They went to the University of Arizona, shoehorned their way into a a publicly funded observatory. All right. They forced themselves into it, and they put the Lucifer telescope in there. They are situated, the Vatican Lucifer telescope, is situated in one of the most pristine viewing areas left on the planet. And most important part, it is located in a place that will have the longest possible observation window of the flyby. Amazing. The longest possible window. And so, you know, they're suppressing it. I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, the the Art Bell, Father Malachi interview? No, classic stuff there. Classic stuff. And so they're suppressing it. This is, you know, people say, who's suppressing it? I'm saying the same people who print the money, because they're the ones that stand to gain from that. They're the ones that have a fiat system. And so if all of a sudden everybody knows that, you know, the planet is going to get whacked in five or ten years— Everybody's going to be planning for that, which is going to completely destroy everything that they're doing in their plans, because what are they doing? They're bleeding us to death for money to build their deep underground bunkers, which they've got scattered all over the world. So it's funny you see we that. don't get to go to the bunkers, it's, but we're, we're paying for them. It's funny you say that, Marshall, in terms of bunkers. I just had on a guest from Canada who has one of the biggest bunkers in North America. His yeah. name, I, I believe, is uh, Bruce Beach. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's pretty incredible, really. He talked a lot about uh, his underground facility that he has, and he was a pretty interesting character. Some people, of course, did not like him, but that's with everybody. But you are someone who is very much against the whole underground bunker uh, facility, correct? Actually. Or are you with it now? The I am in the process change of, of writing heart. my next book. You had to change your heart. Oh, no, no. I've I've been working on this for five years. I mean, it's the underground bunkers. Yeah, they got them. They ripped us off. I mean, you know, come on. Give it a, hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> right. All right. So that's it. That's the way it is. It's a bad hand. Play the hand. Okay. You got these governments. They're building the bunkers. But, you know, in the lead up to 2012, I did a lot of consulting with very wealthy people who were building bunkers. And I'm talking about El Cheapo Poor Boy was half a mil. Typically, they were a mil to a mil and a half. And what did they come to me for? They didn't need advice on a lot of things. I got news for you. People with money, I love talking to them. They're polite. They're respectful. They appreciate my work like Dana that Dana, and they do their homework. That Dana they came in here. Do uh, their homework. <laughs> oh my God. That Dana came in and, here uh, on fire. Yeah, they're just—it's totally amazing. And all they ever wanted to know from me 
I always knew exactly when they would call me. And it was funny. It was like from radio shows that they found me. And, you know, you get into a birds of a feather flock together kind of a thing. And so I was referred from one to the next. I never solicited the business. But what they would do is they would find wherever they wanted. They would put earnest money down on the property. Then before they went to close escrow, they would come to me for a due diligence on the region. And so they would give me a GPS coordinate, a road junction, a town, a zip code, something like that. I knew it was generally within about 20, 25 miles of where they were going to plant the flag. And I would look at everything. I have a scale of zero to 10. Zero is kiss your ass goodbye. You're going to die badly. 10, that's as good as it gets. There are no 10s in America. You want a 10, go to the foothills west of Calgary in Canada. That's a 10. Now, Anything over a seven on my scale is survivable. So Dana, you're there in Reno. Hun, I want to give you a piece of advice because I lived in Reno. Get north. Get up the hill. Don't be down in the bowl. I'm doing Reno <laughs> will flood. Yes, I'm it below. Will, it'll turn. It, was, it used to be a lake. It's going to go back. All you have to have is Tahoe cracks just a little bit. And it's, it's got 7.2 stress on it waiting to pop, which would create a tsunami that would immediately devastate the South Shore. But if it does that and it cracks on the Truckee River, oh, man, that's it. Reno is gone. And for those of you who live in Reno, when I'm talking about gone, the water level is going to GSR is going to be one-third covered with water. Downtown will be two-thirds covered with water. North McCarran will be the new river road, and the Winco store will be half flooded. This I have seen in vision. Yes, in California. Again and, again and again. And California will be in the ocean. Part, well, a lot of California, but also California is going to have a huge archipelago. And so that's, you're going to see Santa Cruz area. You know, interestingly enough, the, where I had my vision, all right, and that took me to Brookdale. Well, the San Andrea runs through the Santa Cruz Mountains. And so to the west of that is you have all that Santa Cruz area down into Monterey, you know, going on south. Well, all of that winds up becoming part of an you know, uh, archipelago because you have two plates that are meeting. And when right there at the Santa Cruz Mountains where I'm having the vision is where to the east— that's the plate that's subducting and going to go down. How long can you tread water? And the plate that they're sitting on in Santa Cruz is the one that's going to lift. And so there's going to be an archipelago. They could probably, they'll probably call it the Santa Cruz archipelago or the Monterey or something like that. Uh, that'll, that'll be there. Uh, oceans are going to die because the, all the nuclear reactors are going to go Fukushima the radiation. So we're going to have dead oceans, uh, substantially dead oceans. Uh, a lot of the, you know, I mean, the things that people are seeing, they're going to see, and it's going to be a tough time. So for those of you, if you're living up there in the Reno area, I will, this is a, this is a shout out for you folks in Reno, move to Stead. Run. Move to Stead. They'll know. So Next question. Incredible. And of course, I did want to get your take on the latest ongoing issues with Iran. You know, I just published an article on that. 
And uh, the article, now I'm looking at this and I, I follow what's happening. I mean, it's people get focused on Trump and the article is Q Alliance punching the bully in the nose. Trump is the face guy. He's the shill. Everything is being run by the military. All right. That's the reason. It, it has military precision. All of this goes back to Benghazi. Benghazi was the spark that lit the fuse for what we now call the patriots or the white hats, if you will. And because Benghazi was like, it was another one of these gun running deals that Clinton was doing. And it went, it went sideways because they were cheating someone. Uh, the military knew exactly who did it right after it happened. They knew exactly who did it. And it wasn't who Hillary said it was. It was not this YouTube video provoke. You know, she basically, uh, she made a deal to sell some weapons and missiles, and uh, she squirreled the deal, and they got mad, and that was when they decided to blow the thing up. There were assets that it could have rescued those people, and it was Clinton who put the kibosh on that, because dead men tell no tales. That's true. And that is what, that was the final straw. I mean, the military, if you look to see what happened during the Obama years, the military, our military was eviscerated. At the end of Obama, we had junk, a lot of junk. I mean, we had stuff that's old, should have been replaced long ago. Um, you know, now the military's been rebuilt, and that's a good thing, and particularly the veterans with the VA benefits. I'm very, very happy to see that. It's a very interesting time. Apparently, there was some sort of strike that was called off at the last moment. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the real reason for that was. Uh, Trump did say lives. He was he, on TV. He said he was concerned with the lives that would be lost. But let's be realistic here. I, I don't think he really cares about which lives would be lost. I mean, I don't even care which lives would be lost, to be honest with you either. Um, but I truly think that there is more to this story than what's being told. Well, that's what I explain in my article. And uh, I give the exact reason in the article. I don't know if you want me to do a spoiler, I'll, I'll say otherwise. Yeah, go ahead. Folks can go and read it. Um, what's really happening is in the article, I explain that you know, when you start following Q, all right, and keep in mind, I was following all of this about six months before Q ever appeared. When I first got involved with it, and I was getting my briefings from people who are active military and law enforcement. Yeah, you've gone deep with uh, the whole QAnon movement. I went deep into it because yeah. this is, and the, you know, I mean, you want to really know a lot of the good stuff. You talk to people who strap it on every day and put their lives on the line so you can sleep at night. They're following this like a hawk. And that's, I'm getting tremendous information from these folks. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for them. Now, when I first learned about it, it was white hats versus black hats, all right? Uh, it was still pretty early on, alliance versus globalists. But, you know, Benghazi was the final—that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back because it was Hillary Clinton's debacle, but it was our people. And she threw our people under the bus, and they died so that she could cover up her debacle. Yeah, that was a pretty big botch. Yeah, a big botch and, there. Uh, yeah, so that is, and what happened was this now, what we see politically, this came from the military. It was the military 
that went to Trump and convinced him to run for office. What, he needs this abuse? You know, this guy is, I mean, talk about a perfect life. He had everything, Omega Babe, big business, money, gold, airplanes. What does he need this abuse? Yeah, that's one thing I always wondered. Why on earth would he want to be the president? Yeah, well, he wanted to be the president because, see, the thing about it is the patriots, the patriots, when you look at the two opposing sides, globalists versus patriots, globalists is a big lump. I mean, these are the ones that includes the banksters. They're the ones that really drive it, are the banksters, the central banks. Trump, you see Andrew Jackson, all right, Mr. 20, okay? And he's got Andrew on the wall. Andrew was the last president that was able to defeat the central bank. But they're persistent like cockroaches. They keep coming back. And they were able to get Woodrow Wilson to to do it. That's the worst thing that ever happened. We gave up a solid currency for a fiat currency. All right. And that's what's really happening right now is you have the globalists, you have the bankers, they have these tendrils that are into every government and everywhere. They're everywhere. All right. And so like in my first article, I explained when you when you look at Q and Trump and the patriots versus the globalists, it's like the the meanest, most aggressive, most intelligent Chihuahua trying to mount a somewhat befuddled Great Dane, okay? And that's the case. But these guys are something else. They're doing the moves. And this is a this literally is a, a battle between good and evil. The people who are opposed to Trump and the patriots, they don't understand them because they're so busy— hating them and looking through the filter of disinformation, they don't understand. It's like, why aren't they like us? Why aren't they like us? You look at Trump and they're the forgotten people. What does it mean? Like somebody forgot their jobs. Somebody forgot their children on endless wars. Somebody forgot their savings. Somebody forgot their homes because a few people were busy, you know, becoming wealthier than God and controlling everything and feeling that, you know, they were smart and had a better idea. And so one side understands the other perfectly. And the other side is so busy, angry, and raging, it's not listening. And neither side, you know, I look at the patriots, and what you just see is steely determination. Go ahead, yell, scream, yell, scream. They know that with the patriots, yellow jackets, Brexit, it's a battle of good versus evil, and that's it. And for those folks, they're not going to back down. You can call them all the names you want. They're not going to back down. It's like we were sitting talking earlier about people who are being divorced in families. There's a lot of people, yeah. They're being divorced because their spouses don't understand them because their spouses don't want to understand them. And all their spouses are doing is yelling, screaming, and threatening and making baseless accusations and humiliating and all of this terrible stuff. And do they listen? Do they want to understand? No. But, but would you understand if the woman left a, a flat earther? Well, you know, you got to pick your fights. And... It's something where if it's a flat earther, fine. Amazing. If it's a flat earther, I would just sit there and I'd say, fine, let's look at let's look at evidence. Let's look at the data. Let's look at this together and evaluate this. All right. That's when you that's when they get mad at you, is when you start asking questions they can't respond to. 
So I'll talk to them until the world looks level. But politically, no, people, we're, we're so polarized. We're like Europe. They don't have a media that can balance itself or even hope to balance itself between opposing sides. In Europe, you know, it's your media is going to be for one political faction or another. So it's all de degenerated into these propaganda mills. Yes. And another thing about Donald Trump, just the other day, I came across an article about this woman named E. Jean Carroll. It's yet again mm -hmm. another rape allegation. And this time it's from way back in the 1980s where this woman, an author, she claims uh, Trump raped her. <sighs> Unbelievable. Didn't we have this? You know, we went through this with the Kavanaugh thing. I believe so. And the Kavanaugh thing was a terrible national debacle. And this is getting to a point where it's just baseless accusation after another. But there's a reason for it. And the reason is not obvious. You know, uh, in Pew Alliance, punching the bully in the nose, what I explain is that when you follow the Q movement, you see the underside view. You watch Fox, MSNBC, whatever, you're seeing the faction view. That's the output side. When you see the underside view, you're seeing the input side of things, what's really happening. And so right now, what Trump is doing with the Patriots is they're getting ready to drop the hammer on the deep state. And we're going to see a lot of perp walks and we're going to see public hangings. There, what's been happening, what's going to be exposed and what's going to come out, because the globalists are sick, sick people, horrible. And what they do to women and children is it's unbearable to think about the horror that they do. You know, there was one of the things this was well known in the Q community. And if you're into the Q community and you learn to follow their subtleties, there's things and you learn it. You know, it took me a long time. I, I actually spent four months studying the Q community intensely. Oh, wow. Before I wrote my first article. You really got in there. Oh, yeah. Hours every day. Because I'm looking at this not, I, the current politics is like, so what? When Planet X gets here, you know, that's it. God's going to dump a bucket of poo-poo on us. And who cares about politics? It's going to be survival at that point. So why do I care about the Q and Trump? Well, one, if the Anunnaki come and we're we're ready to, to, to stand for ourselves, yeah, maybe we got to give them the gold, but we don't have to give them the women. All right. I see that as a possibility. I don't want to see all these young women being literally, and they've already been probably selected, pre-selected. And so when it happens, boom, they'll just snatch them up and then they're going to be breeding slaves for the Anunnaki because oh the Anunnaki found out crutch babies apparently don't become the best slaves. They need to be, you know, they need to be mothered. And uh, so maybe we don't have to give them up. Giving up the gold, yeah, fine. We have a lot of gold on the planet. We can go get a lot more. But it's also a matter of getting a little respect. And with disclosure, now, when Trump announced that he was going to disclose everything and he gave Barr the keys to the kingdom, he set a precedent of disclosure, full disclosure on an issue of national security. In other words, before Trump, with the globalists, Obama, 
And, and, you know, and also it would have been just the same with the Bushes, okay, is this thing would be coming in. We're seeing what the frick videos what on the YouTube. F? Yeah. And <laughs> I got myself there. And uh, I was having an alpha moment. I know you were and being alpha right there. I went alpha. That's yeah. okay. Don't worry. We're, that's it. You know, I like we're, that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And uh, oh my God, maybe there's a third category. Maybe we're trans alpha. But anyway, we, we might be. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Trump is. There is pushback. There's an insistence on freedom, but instead of us hearing the schmucks, you know, on CNN now saying, "Don't worry, nothing's going to happen. It'll pass by," the patriots aren't going to put up with that nonsense. Okay, there'll be disclosure. Now I see disclosure on Planet X where I never saw the possibility of it before. That's the one reason why I'm excited about Trump. Oh, yes. And many people definitely are a little bit upset with Trump on a few different things. Of course, some of the most rowdiest and rambunctious followers he has uh, voted for him under the pretense that he would bring full disclosure, like you said. But more so, some of these individuals really thought in their minds that they would get some sort of full disclosure on 9-11. And, of course, some people even thought extraterrestrials. But none of those things seem to have uh, taken fruition. And it has led to a lot of people out there, I guess you could say, turning their backs to one Donald J. Trump. Well, not me. I not think you. it's great. Yeah. I think it's great. Hey, what? He's got enough grief as it is. Look at the grief that I get with the suppression that, you know, everybody in our genre is dealing with, the manipulation, the humiliation. If he were to say, I believe in UFOs, I believe in Planet X, I believe in these things. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Nancy Pelosi yeah, would crucify be him. personally, personally putting him into the crazy jacket. Yeah, they would, they would crucify him for sure. Well, they would crucify him. Now, do I think he knows about Planet X? Oh, hell yes. Because I worked with a lot of millionaires in the lead up to 2012. And for them, it wasn't about dreams, visions, premonitions, or interviews on Coast or anything else. It's intelligent people who are, as a routine matter of risk management, hedging their position. And they're looking at all of this and they're going, if there's something to it, I don't want to you know, I want to, I, I don't want to be left hanging out over a fence. If I'm out on a branch, the last thing I want to do is have the tree fall on me. All right. So they took it from a very rational standpoint of a risk threshold. Now, Michael, this is how business, insurance, uh, intelligence agencies, it's always about a threshold. You have a threshold where you need to be concerned. You have a threshold where you need to plan. You have a threshold where you need to take action. And if the threat does not materialize, yippee tie You don't look at the time, money, and effort you put into hedging your position as a waste because you're doing this in a number of different ways all the time. And it's essential to the strategy of maintaining your position. It's the little guys who can, you know, that are, you know, living on, living from check to check that are going, I can't afford to have that. Hell no, I need to, you know, if you're going to tell me it's the end of the world, by God, I got to know the exact day 
because the first thing I'll do is look to see what the billing cycle on my credit cards is so that I can go out and max them out at the box store before the guacamole hits the fan. Ha ha. And then I leave MasterCard and Visa holding the tab. And so people, no, not wealthy people, they're doing that. So would Trump know about it? Oh, God, yeah, no question about it. Because even before he was president, he had a fantastic intelligence system. Yeah, he said a lot of interesting things uh, post 9-11 as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Many interesting things. And I do have audio of him talking about 9-11 uh, way back then, maybe a day or two after the incident. I'm not sure if I played you that audio before. Which one was that? Uh, he's on some radio show doing an interview, and he talks about um, he's talking about the basement of a nine eleven. Oh, I remember that interview. Now he was talking about the first attack on the trade towers, right? And he actually had a chance to go down in there with structural engineers, mm -hmm. and he saw what happened. And uh, Trump was, you know, he's looking at what happened on nine eleven. This guy builds high-rises. And first off, the Twin Towers, that place was built marron. That, the Twin Towers, was super, super heavy built. And on 9-11, I remember, this was when they, were, when they went in, and just after they got into the site, and it was on one of the towers, and I saw one of these massive, huge beams that would be in the center of the building around the elevators, all right? That's your central columns. This was like massive, huge central column. This thing must have been 15 feet across or something. And I saw it was literally cut like it had been cut with a laser at a 45-degree angle, okay? That's military. That's military, all right? And they burned it. They have a rope they put around it. Boom, it burns and cuts through it. And this is what when the military has to abandon a vehicle, and they don't want it to be useful to the enemy. They drop a, you know, one of these grenades on top of the engine, and that's it. You know, that's the end of the vehicle. So he saw something that was curious, but I saw something that was clearly something that was intentionally done to make the building fail. Right. Okay. And I saw it with my own eyes. Was I ever able to see that video clip again? No, it was sponged. Sponge was so fast. Look at how quickly they removed the debris. They removed it really the Twin Towers site. Pretty fast. The, the biggest crime scene in the history of humanity. And and what do they do? All those they dump trucks. They shut out the evidence faster than anybody can imagine. And then all of a sudden, yeah. passports flutter, flutter down. There, I mean, there was so much nonsense with it. Yeah, those garbage, and, uh, those garbage trucks really was a sight to see. That's the truth. That was crazy. So there is, for folks, you know, when we look at the politics and you're seeing what's reported in mainstream, you're seeing any of it. And you cannot take it at face value. Right. This is a game of chess, 5D chess, as they say with Trump. And what they're doing right now is they're slowly but surely setting up the deep state so they're and the media, so they box, box themselves into a position. What we're going to start seeing in a few months or earlier are going to be arrests, the perp locks. Yes. They're going to be big perp locks. I hope so. And the de Department of Justice is still a little too feckless and globalist right now. They're, they're working to clean it up. 
So the majority of the prosecutions will be military tribunals. That means this is going to end with a noose. Yes, and, and Marshall, that's what I'm predicting. And Marshall, I do have an audio clip of that interview. I thought I could play some of that for you. Sure. Yeah, let's hear this. There's a great deal of question about whether or not the damage and, and the ultimate destruction of the buildings was caused by the airplanes, by architectural defect, or possibly by bombs or, or aftershocks. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, it was an architectural defect. You know, the World Trade Center was always known as a very, very strong building. Don't forget, that took a big bomb in the basement. Now, the basement is the most vulnerable place because that's your foundation, and it withstood that. And I got to see that area about three or four days after it took place because one of my structural engineers actually took me for a tour because he did the building. And I said, I can't believe it. The building was standing solid and half of the columns were blown out. I mean, so this was an unbelievably powerful building. Uh, if you know anything about structure, it was one of the first buildings that was built from the outside. The steel, the reason the World Trade Center had such narrow windows is that in between all the windows, you had the steel on the outside. So you had the steel on the outside of the building. That's why when I first looked, and you had big, heavy I-beams. When I first looked at it, I couldn't believe it because there was a hole in the steel. And this is steel that was, you remember the, the width of the windows in the World Trade Center, folks. I think, you, you know, if you were ever up there, they were quite narrow. And in between was this heavy steel. I said, how could a plane, even a plane, even a 767 or 747 or whatever it might have been, how could it possibly go through the steel? I happen to think that they had not only a plane, but they had bombs that exploded almost simultaneously because I just can't imagine anything being able to go through that wall. Most buildings are built with the steelers on the inside around the elevator shaft. This one was built from the outside, which is the strongest structure you can have, and it was almost just like a, uh, like a can of soup. You know, Donald, we were looking at pictures all morning long of that plane coming into uh, building number two, and when you see that uh, approach the, the far side, and then all of a sudden, within a matter of a millisecond, the explosion pops out the other side. Right. I just think that it was a plane with more than just fuel. I think, obviously, they were very big planes. They were going very rapidly because I was also watching where the plane seemed to be not only going fast, it seemed to be coming down into the building. So it was getting the speed from going downhill, so to speak. Uh, it just seemed to me that to do that kind of destruction is even more than a big plane because you're talking about taking out steel, the heaviest caliber steel that was used on a building. I mean, these buildings were rock solid. And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Pretty incredible. That was uh, President Trump talking about 9-11. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, what's your take on that? I think he really is giving good, straight, useful information. I think so, too. And, uh, you know, he sees it. He saw it. Trump saw it, you know. Hey, you know, you look at what this is, and if you're discerning and you understand, yeah, you're saying, hey, hey, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. All right. So he saw things that really concerned him, but still the same. You know, I saw what I saw, Michael. No, I, I saw you. actual evidence of a controlled event. It seems like it, yeah. No, it wasn't seemed to me. I saw it. It was a controlled event. You don't cut a beam like that. Yes, I was just... At, literally, uh, it looked like an X-Acto knife standing up. Allegedly. That's what it looked like. Allegedly. And... Allegedly. Well, just for, you know, just for YouTube's sake. Allegedly, <laughs> right. it happened. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Allegedly, yes. And, uh, but it happened, and our look at our world, 
how it's changed dramatically, so dramatically, even to a point where it's like, I, I don't even know what's going on. Is this really America sometimes? Well, you know, I'm just hoping it comes back. I mean, to, to what I remember, but the end of the nineties, you know, it was from nine 11 on, it was like, we went from one timeline of peace and prosperity to a timeline of global misery, endless wars. I mean, it was such a flip-flop. And all of this stuff, Trump sees it. He wants to end the uh, these, these wars. Uh, what he did with Iran, you know, they're going, uh, it's, it, it's all this puffery and buffoonery. Uh, you have Biden who's going, he's going to bumble into something or stumble into something. Oh, thanks. That's really great. You know, give the troops a nice support, why don't you? Uh, but what's really happening is it's a, this is a back faction battle, all right? Pompeo and Trump have probably been working in the background with a peace faction in Iran, and but they're opposed. The globalists are still there. Remember, Kerry, against the law, went to Iran in 2018. What the hell is he doing there? He's from the Obama administration. Well, they made a deal. And Kerry was there, you know, not for world peace, mom, apple, pie, and love. Kerry was there because he was going to his faction, his deep state faction there in Iran and saying, we're going to get rid of this guy, Trump. Don't worry about it. Stick to the plan. And that's why Kerry was there. And what's happening now is Trump is sitting here working with the peace faction. So why does the drone get shot down? Because they're trying to undermine, it's one faction in Iran trying to undermine the other. And so with what Trump did saying, okay, in the last 10 minutes, I'm not going to kill 150 people, it was brilliant. Because they got to be sitting there and go, look, this guy is, Trump is. If you don't like him, everybody who doesn't like Trump says the same thing. He's a son of a bitch. Well, everybody who likes him says, we don't care. He's right. our son of a bitch, and we love him because he gets the job done. That's true. All right? But if you don't like him, he's a son of a bitch, and he's he's a street fighter. He'll jump down into the gutter with you. He's pretty alpha in that sense. Oh, man. Alpha. Yeah, he's alpha. Spare. Alpha cubed. Alpha to the 10th power. I agree. Okay? Now, so I look at this thing. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the background. And what's happening is, how do the globalists, the bankers, maintain control? Endless wars. They profit from the wars. They loan money to both sides. Henry Ford financed Adolf Hitler. Okay. Amazing. So did the banksters. That's true. Um, yeah. These big guys throw their money behind these monsters, and then they profit from it. My God, how much money do you think Ford made off all the vehicles they sold to the military? and the airplanes, and whatever else they were making. A killing. So this is, it's all about, you know, a, a, an elite of people who they run the world from the shadows. All we get to see are the shills, the front men that are out there. Trump is a front man. If Trump falls, someone else will take his place and be just as effective. Amazing. Now, Marshall, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. I could talk to you for another hour, but I do have another guest lined up for this evening. So I definitely have to put a stop to our glorious discussion here. I haven't had such a great time talking to you. Oh, yeah. 
It's always yeah. fun. It's a great time. That's a, a very good time talking to you, Marshall. I definitely want to bring you back on again in the near future. And I also want to leave you, of course, with the final word. Uh, anything you want to plug or say, the floor is yours, Marshall. Go ahead. We have a chance. And for those of you out there that are listening, don't get into a consumer thing about preparation that if you can't afford this and you can't afford that and you're putting it on. Survival is less about the having of things and more about the knowing of things. Get good information that's useful. It will empower you. It'll give you more hope for the future. And that's what it's really about. Because people who survive for the sake of survival are not going to make it. But those who survive for the noble virtues, to be in service to others, that they do it for love. Those will be the stout-hearted, and they will be the ones to survive. So don't get browbeaten with the consumerism. Don't let the negativism get to you. Walk humbly with your God and learn. Amazing. That was Marshall Masters, YaoUSA.com. That's your own world, USA. And, of course, you can find his book, Community Preparedness and Two-Way Radios. Find that on Amazon or his website, yaousa.com. Marshall, again, always an honor and pleasure. So glad to have you here. And we will continue this discussion in the very near future, my friend. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Mahalo. Be safe out there. Will do. All right. Take care, Marshall. You too. Good night. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, that was one Marshall Masters. Definitely check out his work. That's yaousa.com. And of course, when I return, we do have another soul out there coming on to the program. Mimi Johnson. Yes, we are the world and we are the children. Yes, thank you, Brig. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's true. Definitely want to thank all of you in the chat room right now for hanging tight. Definitely stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Part two is next. And welcome back. Here we are again, boys and girls. My goodness. Oy vey, indeed. It's now time to bring in our second guest, Mimi Johnson. And I do appreciate all of you out there for sticking around. Let's bring in our second guest. Mimi, are you out there? Hello. What's going on? Hi, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm glad you are here. And I love the sound of the crickets outside. <laughs> yes, it's perfect for a summer night here in Missouri. So just hanging out in the backyard. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you yeah. are here. I'm glad you showed up and I'm glad you're outside because I do yeah. miss that sound. <laughs> I know, right? And it's kind of, it's homey. If you've ever been in the Midwest, they're like, I don't know, I guess they're everywhere. But yeah, it's very homey. I like it. Yeah. So I'm glad you're here. And you were you listening to that first interview? Yes, I was. It's very interesting because I've, I'm new to all of these kind of fringe theories, and not even fringe theories, like, I guess, conspiracy theories, which... I've been doing a lot of catching up with them, and it's it's really interesting to hear other people talk about it with like such sureness. And they've done a lot of research into it, and they really know what they're what they're talking about. Um, it's interesting, kind of anxiety inducing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, some people but... are, are deep. They're deep in this. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Like really, my yeah. It it 
it can kind of be consuming if you if you let it be. And some of it's kind of like beyond me, like the Anunnaki. That's really I'd like to learn more, but it's you know where do you even learn more about it? So, but it's definitely very interesting. So it is. It, it is a lot, and it's yes. been a pretty spectacular evening so far. And Mimi, as we get things started here, I do want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, Mimi. I do want a rundown about who you are. Yes. So it is kind of a perfect um, guest for you to have had on before me because a lot of it kind of aligns with what what I've gone through this past year. Um, I have a patent in cannabis that I filed. Um, I filed a provisionary patent a year ago, and then we filed the final one um, just at the beginning of the month. And everything came to me in dreams and in meditations. I have like very specific formulations for it. Um, I wound up realizing that within the cannabis seed is actually omegas and amino acids versus cannabinoids. And that that was a major oversight that our government had put patents on cannabinoids and they had had it for quite a while, um, since the 1999, I believe. And they were illegal for all of us, of course, but they had them hedged just for when they were legal, that they could make money. Um, you know, and they redistributed that patent out within their buddies. And it's kind of a network that they had put together where cannabis is very covered. Um, when legalization goes through, when federal goes through, it's going to be very hard for people to have a brand because right now there's no trade or there's no patent infringements. They're not enforcing anything, but cannabinoids belong to the government and to their buddies, you know, to different, different groups. I shouldn't say buddies, I guess, anymore, because they have been redistributed, but they're all for every medical use. You know, you can't get away with labeling it for, I mean anything because they're already, you're going to be infringing. And so for me, I knew I wanted to get into cannabis, but I had to do it where I was protected. And I had to do it in a way that, um, really just that, that I was protected. And when I realized that there was no patent on those, those items in the seed, um, I filed for it. Uh, we had different, there's different micronutrients within the cannabis seed oil. So we can pull out different nutrients that way we're still patenting a natural plant, but it's, um, or natural occurring product, but it's not because we're removing items, making it like a brand new formula, which is kind of the trick that they do for us, for our medicine, is they pull out just enough or they add in just enough to make it where that's patentable and in a pill. Um, and so it's it's going to be really interesting. I wanted to make sure that when I realized when I found the oversight, it was really important to me that like a Monsanto didn't get it. I figured if I don't file this, you know, I was definitely reluctant entrepreneur where it was, if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And if nobody does it, then what's going to happen to our food and our medicine is we're going to be in a lot more trouble than we already are. Um, and I had been on, I had autoimmune, um, I'm much better now, but I was on opiates for eight years. And so for me, like, it's very close to my heart, and why the were whole you, medication. Right. And, um, and Mimi, why were you on opiates, yeah. by the way? So I had autoimmune. Um, I had like a bladder and kidney disease. It's ranked like the most painful you know, and I hate to say that because everyone's not in a good spot who's in pain, but it was a very painful disease. And my first line of treatment that my doctor gave me was hydrocodone, which I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I, pretty I thought standard. Was, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't know it was Vicodin. I called in one day to get a refill and they told me I should have Vicodin at home. And I was like, are you kidding me? Who's taking Vicodin? <laughs> and it was me. You know, I had like no everyone. idea. <laughs> everyone's taking so, Vicodin, yeah. Yeah, right. And so um, it was definitely a long journey and getting off of it was really important that when I got off of it, I did it right. And I didn't get back on them. You know, um, I don't know. It's such a hard journey. And, you know, getting withdrawal, all of that, it's not fun. I didn't want to do it more than one time. So I really did a ton of research in it and tried to figure out the best way to get off. Um, And cannabis is a really, I mean, it is the best way to get off that I found that and Kratom. The two of those together are without a doubt, amazing. Being able to share that with people and talk to, you know, there's no room for people to have, like when you have any kind of issues with this, it's very locked down. Like a doctor can't talk to you without liability and you can't ask for help on the internet without liability. Like everybody gets sued for helping. And so 
you know, it's, it's definitely a hard journey. And I wanted to make sure there was a way to help people get through that as well. Um, and so one of the products that, that I have is the omegas and the omega-3 that, that treats inflammation. And that's really at the root of every single disease that we have, which is crazy because you don't really think about it like that. But everything from addiction to pain to not being able to sleep at night to anxiety, You're all right. of it, and Mimi, ADHD. And Mimi, I'm sorry <laughs> to cut you off again, but yeah. when was all of this sort of introduced to you? Were you uh, growing up, you perhaps maybe experimented a time or two during your younger <laughs> years in high school. Is that how you really first got involved in cannabis? That's okay to be I honest. I mean, the honest truth, yes. I was definitely, I mean, I ate mushrooms on the school bus in like eighth grade. <laughs> a lot like, of people on the show I have, don't worry. Kid. You're in good company, Mimi. <laughs> right? I was that kid. And so like, I've always, I don't know. I, I mean, I drink, but not nearly as much as like I, I would prefer plants. You know, it's, <laughs> it's better. You're not hungover. And well, it's healthier, and... you know, for once and your liver won't <laughs> go out. <laughs> yes. And you're getting vitamins too. You know, it's much better that way. <laughs> much healthier. But, yeah, but yeah, no, I've always smoked. Um, you know, I didn't though. When I was on regular drugs, I di I wouldn't have touched it. You know, and the only reason I did use it is because we were actually out of town. I had nothing else. You know, after getting off opiates, I remember waking up and having anxiety so bad I would take an Ambien in the morning and still be on the verge of a panic attack all day. Um, you would take an Ambien in the morning. Did I lose you? Yes, you must have walked off somewhere. I did. I'm a, I'm a wanderer. I pace when I'm on the phone. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you might have walked a little too far away from <laughs> far the away Wi-Fi. From the thing, I know, right? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I would have panic attacks and they were so bad. Just that like six to eight weeks after you get off of opiates, you hear like you're going to have kind of a mental moment and you think not a big deal. You know, I can handle that. And it was way worse than I had anticipated. Um, and all I had was cannabis at that point. And so I started smoking and I smoked a lot <laughs> and Nothing it got wrong me through it. Yeah. I was definitely a reluctant, um, you know, cause after you've been on other drugs, it's not, it's not the first one of choice. I don't think always, but it definitely helps. And it kind of rebalances your brain back out and it makes you feel normal again. Certainly. And I'm, I know you weren't feeling as normal once you were using these other pharmaceuticals that yeah. really do make you feel like a zombie. Oh my gosh. I mean, that was the thing is I was on, there was one point I was on like 15 different drugs and I was at like a CVS and, and I was how, feeling something. Mimi, how old were you, giving, how old were you when you were taking these, these pharmaceutical drugs? I, you know, I, right after I had my son, um, he's 10 now was when I got sick. Okay. And so I was on them for a pretty good chunk. I mean, I've been off of everything for like two and a half years now, like everything, but I was on it for a good period of time. And it's, you know, the doctors, they really do give you a lot of drugs, you they know, and do. I look like, I look like a per. I don't know, there's a category where like, I could go in and I could get whatever I wanted, you know, like I was a very good patient, like I never had red flags, like I did everything by the rules, like I, I it was just, they would give you meds, you know, um, I will complain about being tired, so then they give you Adderall, and if you had Adderall, then you needed Ambien asleep, and if you had that, then you needed, you know, like, it was a domino effect of drugs. Yeah, it's really so, terrible the way they overprescribe a medication yeah. now. Yes, it was actually, they say the number one leading cause of death actually is, I can't, I can't pronounce it, but I think it's isotrective illness and it's caused by medical treatment. Like it's literally disease caused by medicine and, and doctors. Um, and I think that was where I was. I think I had an autoimmune and then it got, I probably stressed myself out about it and, you know, mental doesn't help, but then it was made worse through all of those things. I didn't feel better until I got off of everything. And then it's night and day. Like, it's like, you can't, I, didn't even, I wasn't even sick. Like, had I known that that was Vicodin in the beginning, I never would have taken it. And I wish I that see. that would have been given a better option, you know, so you're basic, too far down the road. Yeah. So you're basically having these difficulties when you are uh, very young in age, it seems. And 
I, I guess, did you have some sort of point when you realized the drugs you were taking were probably not good for your immune system? Yeah, you know, it. I was still, actually, I wound up developing an, an allergy to morphine is what happened. There like, we I was go. on so many drugs that that was what happened. I figured, um, and, yeah. Yeah, I was on high doses. And so it... And when that happened, like I had a few nights where I had like a rash all over my body and I was like, oh, I can't boy. do this. Like yeah. that's too much, you know, but, um, but yeah, I was always very sensitive to drugs too. And so chemicals, if there was, I mean, side effects are the effects at the time I thought like, you know, those are listed where you think you're not going to get them, but that's, that is the effect, you know, they just put it under side effects. So you mentally think you're not, that, that it won't happen. Um, but I got every side effect of course. And so it was, just, it was a bad a bad time period. Lucky, In hindsight, luck, I look back you. and it's like cringeworthy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Terrible. So, yeah. But I learned a ton and I learned how the brain worked. I understood how my body worked. Inflammation, like that was a big thing with my disease. Nobody could ever treat that, but that was what was wrong with me. But I learned about diet. I learned about all these other things because after a while, medical is not helping. You have to figure it out. You yes. know, if you're, if you're not your own advocate, you've got nothing. That's so, true. You seem to learn a lot more once you're out of the whole schooling system, it seems. The, the most <laughs> yeah. important things you learn far away from that. Yes. Yeah, right. That's been um, very interesting to, to know that I, like Omegas, for example, they have three different scientific names, which what is that for? Why Why do they have three names for the word Omega? But I feel like now it's to confuse people, <laughs> you know, to make it so it seems so much harder when it's really not. Like they could just call it the one word and we could all have a good day and read the book and be, be over it. You know, it's made me realize that people are kind of steered away from certain studies, you know, subjects where you think, you know, and like chemistry and science are very cookie cutter where you don't get a lot of creativity and you don't get people, you know, things either work or they don't. And so I think me kind of being in this industry has been kind of surprising because I'm very colorful, I guess, you know, I like to throw things at the wall until they stick. And so it's been, it's been good. I feel like I've come up with some ideas that other people wouldn't have normally. And I mean, obviously, because I have a patent file. Do you, but... do you throw things against the wall, literally or <laughs> figuratively speaking? No, but I do have a giant whiteboard, but no, <laughs> no, but I do. I always have a ton of ideas. Like I'm a big <laughs> I see. idea person. So yes, it's fun. And Mimi, what age were you once you actually put your foot in the water in the cannabis industry? So um, I am 38 now. So I guess it's been, I don't know that I'd even consider myself in cannabis still. I think that cannabis is a very weird industry. Um, it's still very, it's, it's in, it's in its uh, infancy, as they say. Yeah. Nobody's who they say they are. I mean, first of all, I'm going to be really honest towards either you have drug dealers who are trying to like be legit. move a business that, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're trying to move over from the, the gray area to really doing business, I but know they don't quite doctors. understand corporate yeah. or how that works, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> and then you get corporate who they hate corporate. It's just a very weird dynamic. And I don't really love it's, corporate either, but it's a weird, I like some of the ways they work. Yeah, <laughs> It's a weird gray area, uh, especially, yeah. especially out here in California. For a oh, while, yeah. you just needed the medical marijuana card. Uh, it wasn't, mm -hmm. yeah, it wasn't for recreational purposes like it is today. And mm -hmm. I talked to a number of doctors out there, and a lot of them wanted to sell ad space here on the program as well. Uh, at the time, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I should have, but <laughs> yeah, maybe I right? was sort of against it at the time. And now I'm thinking, how foolish am I? I should have gone with it. <laughs> Right, you're a latecomer to the cannabis I, game. <laughs> I am. I just think, oh my god, that was so stupid. Uh, especially yeah. when the uh, I was given a couple of months uh, for free there without paying anything. But that's between me and you. 
<laughs> I won't mention his name. Right? My first medical card was in California. One of my girlfriends lived out there, and I went out there, and it was so easy. I called. They did a Skype video, and I got my got plenty of pot. <laughs> it was great. So California was amazing for it. Uh, you had a great time out here then. I know. Yeah, I do like California. Wow. <laughs> I'm disappointed it's going to be off the map and a whole Armageddon thing. You know, that's well, kind of sad. that's the impending <laughs> doom and gloom, it seems, that we are facing here. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, Especially. now I know all these people over there. So it's very interesting. But it is. It is. And I, I'm, I already forgot that you were listening to that first interview. Oh, I know. Right. It all ties back together, I think. Uh, apparently, <laughs> always synchronicity. Apparently, we're going to be in the ocean. But, you know, I for sure will be there since I live in a small town called El Centro. And that is below sea level. Well, but then he said some of it's going up. So you could, you know, I could go up. <laughs> jump. Maybe. Swim, I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> we'll find out once that does happen, but hopefully I'll be far away once that sort of does transpire. Yeah. I know. Well, I'm in Missouri where like the whole, um, the eclipse makes an X over St. Louis, well, over Little Egypt, Illinois, which apparently, because there's a second eclipse coming 2024 and it yeah. literally like right above Missouri, but apparently like there's a cave in Illinois where like Cleopatra's tomb is buried and all of these things. And I feel like this is going to be like a weird place for things too. We're like, I don't know, it's where three rivers meet and that's where the, the beast comes out from Revelations. Amazing. So, uh, Mimi, are you religious? You know, I'm not religious. And I know people say I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, but I really am. I meditate a lot and that's where I actually got the idea from don't my you, don't, don't, don't you just hate when, when people say that? They're like, I'm spiritual <laughs> and they're drinking out of a, a Starbucks, yeah. they're drinking well, out of like, a Starbucks coffee cup and they're like, I'm spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not really like, yeah, like I don't feel like I label it, but I, I, I'm realizing I've, people like labels with religion a lot. Uh, yeah, they it love that. It gives them comfort, right. you know, and so... It's been interesting. So with my with the patent that I have, I really wanted to help people. I mean, that's still my goal. Jesus used cannabis. Same with Moses. It's in the Bible, like really in the Bible. Word for word, cannabosum. My company's called Canna because I wanted to play on words and to talk about it. And when I filed, I thought like, okay, I'll go to church and I'll see if they want to make an anointing oil. Like he used it. Like why Why wouldn't they? I'm that's helping what them. I I'll donate it to them. That's what and I read. Had nothing to do. <laughs> You know, like yeah. none of them. Yeah, none. Of, and I actually wound up challenging where it was like, I mean, I don't have publicity. I don't have like a very big name, but like, hey, if anybody wants it, if we want to talk about it before it's legal, like, let's do it. You know, it was very clear. There's no separation of church and state. I don't know. I think it's a very interesting um deal right now you know i'm not interesting business that's for sure yeah i believe in god and i believe in okay i a different not a cookie cutter god i don't think you know it's well i'm glad you're you don't want to become a pastor No. Yeah. Right. I know. Good thing that's not in my. It's interesting my, because my dreams. But yeah, there's lots of uh, <laughs> pastors out there who definitely take advantage of their own flock per se and oh, profit yeah. off of them, off of their flock uh, tremendously. Yeah. You have these uh, millionaires, multi-billionaires, yeah. multiple houses, and it's because you know God wanted them to be that rich. Yeah, no, I'm like God's against plan. the guru. Yeah, I'm not big about gatekeepers. I feel like I didn't know you that don't need God to go through any of that. I didn't know that God wanted you to fly in a private jet. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, incredible, <laughs> right? Well, usury. So the whole like banking thing that was. I mean, that's the biggest thing I'm struggling with is finances for my startup because it's valued really high, um, and it's hard to find people that. I, and I, I mean, I need money to get started, but it's hard to find people that have that kind of money that are like good, solid people. You that, know, that you are feel like, like you could yes, like that are not, that are not snakes in the grass like many of these companies yeah. are. Yeah, it goes back to Monsanto, right? And then you hear about people that have 
had startups and they're like, oh, my partner stole it from me or they, I you hear know, that, people yeah. that they have more money. They've been in it forever. They, they can do more. And so my big was worried was that they're going to like squash it, you know, and make sure that I couldn't work if I wound up with the wrong partner. But the biggest thing I wanted to do was like a Bitcoin, like cryptocurrency and do my ownership, mm. like divide it out because usury, like we're not even supposed to have loans with interest at all. You know, like if we really want to get religious, that's something we should be talking about. You know, <laughs> like there's a lot of big things that nobody talks about that are very key, you yeah. know, um, but that's one. I'd like to kind of figure out a way around that, you know, a way to get started without having to, to go into that hole. Cause later I'd like to be able to use it to my advantage for offering my company, like through equity to people that can't afford it or couldn't normally go to the stock market or, or they're not on stock market, like I'm, retribution. I'm, I'm looking at your website right now, the canna oh, wow. uh, cn3.com. Yes. So the formula I made is um, CN3 because it, it's, it does compete with CBD. It actually works on the same receptors in the brain and omegas convert into cannabinoids within the body. And so it's kind of like a beautiful workaround around CBD where it's 100% legal. Nobody has to give up their firearm for it. That's another thing with cannabis people don't really talk about is to get a medical card, you have to give up your gun. You have to forfeit your second amendment to get a medical card. Ain't that amazing? Yeah, that's... I mean, it's crazy. Wow. Like, Every single mass shooting, they've been on an SSRI or exactly, yeah. You can have guns and do that. So that's one of the things. Like I, I feel really strongly in people keeping their firearms. I believe in the black market, which I call alternative distribution channels. So that's PC. But um, I want people to learn to grow and take care of their own gardens, and they don't ever have to buy legal weed. They can always. You know, once you learn how to grow it and how to use it, you could use it like 12 different ways before it's gone. That's so. true. There's so many different ways to use it uh, to uh, for food and for clothing and for all sorts, yeah. of, uh, all sorts yep. of uses. But, you know, one of the things that did concern me, especially about uh, marijuana being legal here in California and in many other states, uh, just the simple fact that other big companies do want to get their cut of the, of the pie. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. when these other companies want to come in and start muddying the waters and hurting the the pure product. That's kind of that's kind of always been my concern with the whole medical yeah. uh, legalization. For sure. Yeah, there's 28,000 patents on GMO cannabis that haven't been released yet. They're all for um, different modifications that they can't put out because they can't enforce it if somebody were to take. And maybe that's why they haven't put them out on the market yet. But things are going to change in a big way with federal legalization and not, I don't think, in a good way. Um, it's interesting to look back at 2016. That's actually really how I got my start is I wanted to be in cannabis and I figured, you know, I'll just play with stock. I can kind of figure that out pretty well. I had good ideas of what I thought was going to happen. And the election was a big deal. Like it, it, it killed a lot of deals. Like the Bayer Monsanto merger was uh, postponed for two years, but then there was all kinds of things that fell out underneath that that people don't really people don't really know, you know. But like the NFL had a CBD brand launching that they never launched. I recall I that. Why they didn't do that? Yeah, I recall <laughs> like, that. The yeah. N- the NFL is shady though, and so are the owners, especially with all the fundraisers they have. The for a good example would be the whole breast cancer foundation. A lot of the oh, yeah. a lot of the proceeds didn't even go where they were supposed to go. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's pretty par for the course, though. You pretty, know? you know, that's kind <laughs> of a scumbag thing to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's it is. It's definitely. It's. I mean, the person who I'm. The guy that created methadone actually created the cure for the opioid epidemic, and wow, I that didn't was know very that. interesting to me. Yeah, I, I was like, who, who is this jerk? Like, who, who does that and doesn't put it on the market just because it's not legal yet? But he's also very close with our government. Um, Big surprise there. 
Yeah, he's real close with the government. Button <laughs> you know, buddies, like one huh? of those words. Yeah. And and he didn't put it out too because he's waiting on deals. Like they already have it worked out with insurance companies, you know, which is the public doesn't know about it. It's it's really it's hard to kind of stomach when you really look at it, when you really look at how deep it goes and how official like it is official. Like these companies have made plays expensive ones based on these political ideas that were going to happen and they didn't, you know, and so it kind of put a wrench in everything. But it gives the underdogs like myself some good lead time to get out there and get our products out there. Um, mine's totally legal. It's grass approved already because it's just omegas and amino acids. Yeah, and then no, it, um, no THC. No THC in mine. So we can add it. Um, but by itself, it's no cannabinoids whatsoever. So it's 100% legal globally too. And it could sub for CBD entirely, wow. but it competes both with fish oil and with CBD, like both markets. That's what I like about it, by the way. I, I do like that it does have that in it. CBD yeah. oil obviously does not contain that. No. Yeah. And it, you have to go through a lot of extraction to get CBD oil. And a lot of it now they're mixing it with hemp, like hemp fiber, like the oil from it, not necessarily the seed oil. So now you're not getting exactly what you maybe think you're getting. Um like they've changed all the names for everything. Their CBD is going to come out legally with in a pharma and a pharmaceutical company. So they're they're trying to pull it off the market and recreational right now. Like it's wasn't it illegal in California? I think so. Yes. <laughs> like I believe CBDs so. are legal, really. You know, like it's but they're trying to kind of clear space so that they're. I don't want to call them their buddies, but it is their buddies so that they can come in and not have a problem. Like any state that didn't have cannabis licensing on the books or laws on it, they went in and lobbied and now they have exclusivity in those states, which that's our politics for you. Yeah. And let me, <laughs> so. let me ask you about the product of uh, cannabis itself. Just, mm -hmm. just uh, all these, you see things like uh, you see long range and styles and, uh, potencies of edibles out there. And of course there are drinks yeah. and of course there are also uh, extracts. Yeah. Yes. I'm an all extract person. Um, I mean, I, I feel like a purist would say like, Oh, I smoke all like dank flour, but I don't, I like smoke like bait pens. And, yeah, you know, so you I, prefer the I like oil. edibles <laughs> and I like pot that doesn't taste like pot. Like I like, like fruity flavored stuff, you know, sure. so I'm a bad but I feel like that when I worked for Smirnoff, I, I launched all the Smirnoff flavors with them. And that's what people do really want. They want, like, that's why Jewel does so well. It's because they have, like, fruity flavors. And it's, like, it tastes really good. But, um, but yeah, cannabis has gotten very complicated. It's gotten which, very complex. Yeah. Yes. And right now everybody's trying to make a niche and they're kind of scrambling and but i think it'll be really interesting i think it's going to fall out just like liquor does where you have like a ultra premium a premium you know regular and then you have different styles you have a beer you have a whiskey you have a you know just like you have a concentrate or a or a flower i've seen that so, there there are the rubbing creams and such and mm -hmm. um a few other products i've never used personally before i, yeah, I don't know how I, well those yeah. work like yeah, a, right? the, so, the tropicals as they call them yeah, I've done them before. So when I first tried to get off of, um, I tried actually two times. I didn't try the first time to get off opiates, but I did. I was in Colorado and I'm like, hey, I'll get a bunch of CBD and I'll see how that works. And that was when I got was like topical patches and things like that. Uh, it, was, okay. it didn't work at all. Didn't work. But you can't, CBD doesn't work for opiate, you know, and that was something I didn't know at the time. Right. And, you know, you need THC for that. And, so. and what about oil? Like the, like a, a like taking a dab. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's a pretty, pretty strong. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's not because you build a tolerance and then it's, I don't know, maybe 
I wish I didn't maybe have as much of a tolerance, but like, yeah, I like it. The and, dabs are fun. But are you, I don't have the whole rig, are like you the whole doing, setup, because I would break yeah. it. But <laughs> it, it feels a little weird when you are uh, firing up the nail there with a blowtorch. It, it makes you feel <laughs> makes you feel like you're gonna smoke some crack. I mean, seriously, yeah, yeah. I brought it home. My husband was like, "What is this? Yeah, you're smoking crack." <laughs> yeah, he's like looking for. He's looking for us. Like warm his car. He's looking for. He's looking for spoons in your room. I mean, seriously, it's so funny though. Like there was that Will Ferrell movie when they're in college, and she like has her dab torch all the time. <laughs> and then I went and got one. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Yeah. yeah no, it. they made it really. I mean, it's complicated, but I think it's good. You know, there'll be a lot more room for things to kind of shake out and everyone to have have a place out there, but you notice no celebrities are out there yet. And it's because they're waiting for federal legalization because none of them are on their own. You know, they're partnered with somebody who's, who's already, you know, like who's already got their foot in the, in the door in a big way. Which... Yeah. So you, you prefer the pen. Um, personally, I don't think I could use that. that. That thing really messes up the throat in my opinion. Really? So I think it depends on which ones you get. You know, well, I that's think different true. ones there, are. There's ones yeah. that have this other chemical in it. Uh, I, I don't, I'm forgetting the name of the chemical. Neem, I think. It's, I don't know. There, a lot of it yeah. is we don't know what's in a lot of them. I mean, I'm in Missouri, so I would, I buy my pot at McDonald's parking lot <laughs> from a guy who gets it off the dark net. And sometimes the brands are ones that I probably shouldn't be smoking because you really don't know what's in it, you know? You but don't know what, yeah, that's why I, I would have to tell everyone not to buy the whole uh, cartridges out there unless uh, they're made unless from. Unless you know, yeah. yeah. Unless you know, and, and unless they're made from something very potent like uh, actual wax or or, or the sauce, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, like a live resin. So live like a resin. Dab pen. Yeah. Yeah. Those you need something awesome like that. Put it in the back. Yeah, nothing artificial, nothing of that nature. Anytime I... But I, you know what? Everyone mm -hmm. argues about what's artificial, too. Like, people say, like, propylene glycol is, is natural. You know, like, everybody has their own, like, oh, that's natural. And it's really not. That's you know? the stuff um, I, That's the stuff that does bother me. Yeah. It irritates right? the yeah. throat. Yeah, and they put it in to make like a bigger cloud or something. So yeah, I know, I know. They they need to get in and kind of, I guess, you need I guess be, restrict you, it all. You need to be careful. <laughs> you, know? you you definitely need yeah. to be careful with with the whole uh, vape. Just recently, there was a story that came out that said teen has mouth wired shut after vape explodes, fracturing his skull uh, and knocking out his teeth. What? That's crazy. Oh yes, but that it, seems like not a normal. I think thing, it, though. well, it says here in the story. Uh, this this uh this was caused by an exploding e-cigarette. What? So it was probably one of those you know generic ghetto e-cigarettes. Yeah, the cheapy ones. Yeah, very cheap. Obviously, the battery exploded. Uh, two hours previously, a Man. vape exploded in his mouth as he was using it. It says here. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't use your vape <laughs> that is anymore. Really bad. Be careful. Yeah, right. It's scary. I mean, I could go back to flour, but <laughs> it's probably a little safer. Right. The vapes are so easy, though. You know, those and edibles are like my thing. It's so. because they're just so, so simple. Mm hmm. Yep. I, I know. Edibles know, are the best. To too. be honest with you, I prefer the drink now over the edibles. Really? They It, it hits you a lot faster. Yeah, I bet it does because you probably don't have to do the first part. No, you, so if you could do a sublingual, that's the best because that would be like immediate, you know, because it's you don't have to go through the digestion. And I think that the drinks maybe work differently than food. They've it, it gets in there a lot better, in my opinion, than than the yeah. edibles. It you definitely seem to feel it a lot better, and it, put, it puts you in a pretty good mood. 
right? Yeah, I know. They're the best. <laughs> I do. I love cannabis. It is. That's the thing. It makes life so much better. You know, when you like endocannabinoid system is something people don't really talk about, but it's really important. It's like your central nervous system like that. Well, important. yeah, the, the fact that we have, we kind of have these things naturally. Uh, yeah. Cannabinoids. We have the cannabinoid receptors that basically evolved in, in yep. the human brain. We've needed it since day one. I mean, I've heard things that like they seeded our planet with this or these are from ETs or, you know, the cannabis is from it's been here forever. Like human history has always, always used it. We actually share 40% of our DNA with cannabis, like our genetic code with cannabis, which I feel like is very interesting because that's one of the, the companies that were behind legalization, like normal, you know, that company that goes out and got signatures, they paid for every signature. They paid $3 in Missouri per signature and you can't get an answer from them who funded them. And I'm pretty sure it was Monsanto. Um, I can't prove it because nobody will answer, but it's those kind of things where of course Monsanto wants to be in charge of cannabis because they're in charge of, of our genetics already, you know, yes. like they're not going to give that foothold up very easily. So and, uh, another thing I did want to ask you, because you do have children mm -hmm. early on in the early 2000s, there was this whole big sort of commotion in the mainstream world about parents who use cannabis. <laughs> and the, the yes. New, yes. You know, you know what I'm talking about. They, for a yeah. while there, when this was uh, going to come out, going to roll out full circle for the medical scene, you had all these media news sources, the major mainstream media sources out there losing their minds, basically thinking yeah. it was the end times that the planet well, would judging. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the planet would end automatically once cannabis was uh, legal. Yeah, it's crazy. Cause, yeah, it isn't that funny, it, though. I, it is. It's out of control, really. Like, I think part of my thing is I didn't really care what people thought if I smoked cannabis because I was on pain pills, you know, like for me, that was a much a very good step down, you know. But if I was not at all and all of a sudden I was trying to be like openly a smoker, I couldn't imagine that, you know, like, I don't know. There is a stigma still, you know, especially here in Missouri. Um, I don't think it's bad everywhere else. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. But it makes me, I mean, I couldn't function without it. And when you look at what else I was doing before, like, heck yeah, cannabis is way better, you know, and not that it's a one or the other. It's you, cannabis is help makes you healthy. Well, I mean, you. you're not like the other soccer moms out there that are <laughs> hopped up on Xanax. And, I know, and, right? And they're sunburned, the by the way. Yeah, you really do read stories about like moms that like trade, they really do trade pills. Like it's totally normal, That's you weird. know? Um, oh. Yeah, it is. It's very, and like people will drink and do like, and it's just, it's normalized. I wouldn't know about, I wouldn't know about that world. The whole soccer mom sort of half burnt <laughs> blonde with the right? Xanax addiction. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that world, but I have been told that a lot of these housewives and single mothers oh and well, even the married ones, they're all hopped up on pills. Well, I think everybody is. I mean, I think everybody's really unhappy, you know? That's another and, thing. People are pissed. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah, I think that, <laughs> yeah, if you're a man or like male or female, I think people are just really unhappy. And then, I don't know, nobody really talks to each other anymore. Things are just different well, now. People when I look are at crazy, my, I though. Kids. You, you have to remember, yeah. people are insane. So uh, personally, yeah. when I see someone out there and they're asking me for something, you know, I automatically assume that this is a, a troublemaker, that this is a yeah. potential menace. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of bad, though, but I slightly no. do. I, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I do think it's true. You, you do have these uh, potential menaces all around. Yeah. Yeah. What, what when you when people smoke or when? No, anytime in general. 
people <laughs> people in general are are just, are just troublemakers sometimes. Yeah, they are. Well, yeah, people like to, you know, it's. I think about this a lot. Like, what human behavior has always been very interesting to me, and that's like spirituality and religion. I've always done a lot of studying with that too, because, I mean, it makes people people will live and die for their spiritual beliefs or for their their. I think it's like judgment, you know, like they get bored, they don't know what else to do, and it's like micromanaging, you know. And people like to stir shit up. They like to stir the pot. That's true. You know, I, I'm I'm guilty of doing that. <laughs> right. Sometimes it can be entertaining, but <laughs> yeah, but I try to yeah. make it known that, you know, that I'm just joking around as well. <laughs> not too serious. Yeah, well, you got a good role here. You get to do it for, for a job. You I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying not to get shot. <laughs> yep. That's true. That's I mean, that's, move. that's the world we live in, by the way, now that yeah, people, know. people don't throw hands anymore. Uh, they're not yeah. into fisticuffs. They are more into shooting a gun at you. Yeah, things are very different. You know, I was um that Truman Capote, he wrote that one, the In Cold Blood, and that wasn't that long ago. It was like 1969 or something. And the reason he wrote it is because it was such an abnormal thing. It had never happened in America before that a family had been like that there was a target of a crime like that, like an a random target. And when you think about now, like that wouldn't even make the news, you know, like that would just be like another thing. Like things have changed a people lot really have, quickly. People have lost their goddamn minds. Yeah, and it's like normal to yeah. But cannabis really does help. That's the other thing. Um, I think it helps tremendously. Again, it does, and alcohol. I think. I mean, I drink sometimes, but like alcohol, there's a thing recently. It was in that Majestic Twelve group, and they had said that cannabis, like the the beast, powers to cannabis, but it loves alcohol. And you know, spirit is spirits, and so I think that some of that really does have a lot of truth to it. Um, like I know I've been really guided in what I'm doing, and. I feel like it was literally like God, like just like he told Noah to build an ark. He was like, Meme, you need to do this. Like, do this now. And like, like I feel like it was like a push. Like I had to because, you know, it's time. Like somebody has to help. Somebody has to fix things and step in. But it's a very like just kind of interesting time. You, you, know, definitely, from. you definitely are faced with an uphill battle here trying to keep yeah. things uh, pure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, that, that's the thing with talking about the oil is that the best way to consume cannabis is a whole plant product, you know, and to have a, 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 an oil and to smoke that or use that as an edible. You the know? oil, um, in my opinion, is like the soul of the plant and you extract yeah. that and you consume almost like the soul of the plant. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that is what it is. And it's like, yeah, that's it's I mean, that's what Christ actually was. It was the um, the anointed one. Like, that's what the word Christ meant. You know, it was amazing. Yeah, because that's what he did is he anointed people with cannabis oil. And nobody wants to talk about that. But it wasn't olive oil, you know, and they write it in the Bible. They tell you and in the Quran and in the Torah. It's in there. It tells you exactly what it is. And so it's a very clear denial. Apparently, the church, Catholic church had it in their baptismal oil up until the 1958. And they pulled it out. They had hash in there. So it's a very like, I don't know, it's a shame that they've done what they've done. Because they, I feel like the church clearly has made it, given pharmaceuticals a leg up, you know, um, like some of the genetic stuff well, that's I mean, happening. I don't know why they don't speak up about it. I mean, maybe what's worse, uh, cannabis or priests molesting children? <laughs> I know, right? I don't know. That one's a hard no. <laughs> I know, right? Right? It's insanity. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, I think it's the way that. It's hard to wrap your mind around. When I first filed for the patent, I actually I met with Bayer and Monsanto because I couldn't believe that I had figured it out and they didn't, you know, and it was this real weird thing because I'm pretty sure that everything they're doing is intentional, you know, like yeah, the whole stigma, it's though, all this big giant. Yeah, the, the whole stigma is just yeah. really dirty. And I don't even think you are even able to monetize videos on YouTube no, yeah. about cannabis 
And Mm-mm. however, you can have underage kids in drag and have that fully monetized on YouTube. Yeah. Well, you know, the um, what is it? Biden said that he would have the cure for cancer if he was elected. Like, it's already coming out. It's a cannabis cure. It's coming out of Israel, <laughs> you know, like, and it was discovered in 1974. You know, like, it's not new, but that's what it is. You know, it's like all of these sneaky. I don't know. It's a big game, I feel like, for all of that. Yeah, these are dark times. Yeah, no, I agree. Dark, but interesting times, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I feel like things are getting better, honestly. I feel like, I don't know, it's interesting to hear, like, the opinion that, like, the world's all going to go to to shit and it's going to be awful. But I I think that it might for a little bit, but then it's going to be really great and much better than before, you know? I think Um, so, too. I'm, I'm optimistic about the future. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be a rocky shift for people for a little bit, but it'll get people's priorities back in order. Oh, yeah. The sun will come out tomorrow. That's true. Yeah. Like we're all off right now. You know, like our priorities are all just a little bit. We do everything out of convenience and we work a lot to spend the money so we don't have to, you know, for convenience. And some of that's crazy. I think if we slowed down and did things a little bit differently, we'd all feel a lot better, you know? Yes. And let me ask you something uh, a little bit different here, switching gears very so slightly. I do ask most uh, guests that come on here I do ask them about their opinion on uh, our president, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> yes. Um, What's your take? I, I like Trump. I, I was one of the few people that I mean, that I know that I thought he was going to win from the get go. And I liked him because he was a business person. And honestly, I'm one of those people. I don't care what your truth is. Speak it. If you speak your truth, I'm cool with it. I don't care what you're saying. You know, just be honest. And like, I feel like he was a really straight shooter. I don't know. I think now everything is strategy. And I think he's a genius when it comes to strategy, like nobody better. But I think he's doing a good job. I like him. And how you how do you feel about Democrats out there and who they're trying to uh, boost up, in other words? You know, I don't even know who they're trying to boost up, really, because it's such a joke. You know, I don't know. I feel bad saying that in a way, but like... Well, they got Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are the uh, two most possible, I guess you could say, But runners. I feel like they're not even really contenders. I feel like that Kamala Harris, people are talking about her more than anybody else, right? They're talking about her, but polls still indicate that, you know, like Biden is still up there. But the polls don't mean there. anything. Exa- that's another, yeah, that's another <laughs> thing I, I do have to take for uh, consideration. You know, like, that's all fake, too. These polls never make sense, though. That's another... Yeah, I think it's Another like thing. word of mouth. Like, who do you hear? Who are you hearing people talk about more? I think that's the indicator more than I mean, they always lie. They have no idea. And I think they say who's going to win. So it strategizes who goes out and votes, you know, and right, right. And that whole thing, you know, but no, I don't I don't think it's even a actually somebody the other day said on Twitter that John F. Kennedy is still alive and he's going to be Trump's running mate oh in God. 2020. And I was like, well, maybe. I mean, you know, <laughs> were, were they a flat earther? That would be a big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm definitely not a, I mean, I haven't actually voted for a president in a, maybe never, you know, I feel like it's kind of a, there's never a good choice and we only have two of them and neither of them are very good ever. And so it's kind of, I feel like kind of a political trap to get into. I see. Yes. I'm not quite sure who will uh, become the victor, but it does seem like Trump will possibly get the nod again. Oh yeah. I don't think there's even a chance of anybody else. Do you? I don't know, to be honest with you. I've heard the other Hmm. candidates and, or potential candidates and I'm not, not really that impressed. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that he wouldn't. I mean, I don't know. They're going to fall apart once there's a debate. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I'm waiting until you... I'm waiting until the debate. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, to see who makes the throw. Yeah, I got to see who's going to be the alpha and the beta. <laughs> Very important. Yep, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of a serious, a real issue. You definitely don't want to have a beta male as a president. That's true. 
Yeah. You know, I, I think he's a good president. I think he's I, I think the best we've had since I've been. I mean, but I, I don't I, like I everything really about much attention to politics before. Yeah, you know, I, I don't like everything about him, but he's he's doing a good job in my opinion. Yeah. Well, when I worked, when Obama was getting elected in, I worked for Crown Royal and I would be in some really bad neighborhoods. And I remember people would be walking around with buttons on and they were so excited, you know? And like two years later, I go to Jamaica and they tell me they have a mountain there that they named Obama, but now they hate it and they want to rename it because like, <laughs> you wow. know, like he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And it was, it's sad, you know, like people had a lot of hope and I don't know. I think it's- I thought Obama you know, was uh, likable. I don't, you know, I, I mean, he was likable, but this was a long time ago and we were literally in another country and they were like, we hate our mountain now. We named wow. it after Obama, but their economy was bad because our economy wasn't doing well. Yeah. And like, you know, there's fallout that we don't really think about as Americans that really affect other people. I never heard that before. I mean, That's maybe I had a random, <laughs> random encounter, but, but yeah. Yeah. It's good to get yeah. the whole worldview and their perspective yep. on things as well. Uh, yeah. Obviously I'm American and most Americans really don't care about the outside <laughs> You know what, though? That's something for me that when I was trying to do the stock with cannabis, I was trying to get the news from Canada because it was on uh, Memorial Weekend. And I wanted to know what were they trading on the weekend. And I realized you cannot live stream news from another country as an American within American borders like we're geo blocked from it. And so that alone should be worrisome, I feel like, for every Like, we live in North Korea. We just don't know it, you know? Yes, and, and I'm glad you said that because internet censorship is coming to a whole new level very soon. Shows like mine might not, might not even exist soon enough. Or yeah. uh, soon, rather. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I wonder. Well, they're going to have to... Everybody's going to have to have different channels and different um, ways to get viewers, different access. You know, I think some of these big guys are going to... They're going to fracture. They have to. And as soon as somebody else comes back, like, so that parlor that's up, I think Amazon runs that, you know, like somebody looked it up for me and Amazon owns the, the server behind it. Like, I'm not, we need like a company that isn't attached to anybody to come out and do it and like that's do the, a good job with it. And give the, alternatives. Yeah. That's the difficult thing though. Finding someone yeah. who is pure and genuine. There, there was another individual I talked to here on the program. He, he was a guest and on the, on the show, pre well, not previously, a couple months back by the name of Robert David Steele. He's a big proponent of open source government. And yes. while I think that's a great idea, that's cute and all, I'm all for mm -hmm. it. However, man is wolf to man and man deceives man all the time. Yeah, It's hard for me to fully have faith Onto any man or woman, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, but it's uh, so, like clarity to everything, I mean, I mean, you know? But, I mean, come on. You really would think there would be an open open source government? I mean, that's, that's I mean, just so... I mean, I think so, we could force it. It's like so a silly, blockchain. though. There's just... Yeah. yeah I, I'm all for it. But the reality is none of the, none of the big wigs out there are going to go for it. And they're the ones who yeah. are in control. Uh, these yeah. people thrive on the lies and deception. They don't want to tell you the truth about any of these things that go on. That's why yeah. we have to wait 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years, almost just to get any truth about anything, really. And that's yeah. that's the sad reality that we live in. I know. But I wonder if those people, like if you could figure out, I, I think about this all the time, like how can I leverage what I have to give it back that way to help more? Like, I don't know, to help change things in like a lasting way, because nobody, there's no way out unless somebody breaks the cycle. I'm you hoping know? for and, you. Yeah, I think somebody like has to just step up and do it. And then once there's profit in it still, like they can still make their money, you know, like people just don't have to be in such debt or have to be so unhappy, you know, like there can be a little bit of compromise, I think, you know, like they don't have to be all or nothing, but we can meet in the middle <laughs> where 
we had a little bit well, that's more. That's the goal to meet in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I'm glad you said that meet in the middle because both sides right now of the popular political spectrum, both parties, mm-hmm. they are not willing to compromise a damn No, inch. and they're crazy. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's not good for people. Like, Giving, I don't know, two options and both of them are terrible. It's like when I want my kids to go to bed, I'm like, do you want to go to bed in five minutes or do you want to go to bed in eight minutes? Like they're both awful and they don't want to do them. Were your your kids born behind an iPad? (laughs) No, actually they were not. So, um, I mean, my son did have one when he was like three, we got one, but, um, no, now I have this, I'm like weird with it. Like I want them off of it now. Like we're like moving to the country. Like I had this, this past year has been like I was saying before that, like I didn't, I was on the fringe before. I didn't really know any of these things. Like my eyes have been opened in the past year. Cause I've been working with these people that, I mean, I've had some crazy people contact me that I didn't even know existed. Like I didn't know the mob was real, but they're real. <laughs> you know, I thought they were just in movies. Oh, they're but, real, like, right. all, <laughs> Yeah. I had no idea, oh, yeah. but like, yeah, I had to learn a lot really quick. Like I didn't watch any movies growing up. Um, like I was allowed to watch channel two, four and five, and that was it. No 11 or 30, you know? And so it's kind of like breaking it in. And were now you, I look at you, YouTube and like, Mimi, were you raised on a farm? No, I was raised. It's a joke. <laughs> no, by the way. I know. Right. But I like my parents were, I guess, really strict. They were I don't know. real strict on you. Damn. <laughs> I know. God damn. I know. I don't know where it came from, but yeah, it's my kids. I, you know, the whole YouTube thing where they're like training kids, my kids, I've been in the room where they've watched videos with like the color stuff and at the time, I was like, what is this? This is really weird. But like knowing that's what they're literally putting into our kids' heads is really disturbing. Definitely. Which, try telling another mom that. Forget smoking pot. Try and tell them that. And that's like where they think you're crazy. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck with yeah. that. And yep. uh, just to uh, switch gears again very so slightly yeah. here, I did want to ask you about the whole extraterrestrial thing. It seems like you mm-hmm. definitely do have an interest in that. I do. So, But I don't. I don't believe... I don't know. I don't want like people to hate me and that okay. your, your feed is a little, <laughs> but um, no, I don't believe in aliens. I think that UFOs are just planes that aren't shaped like a plane. Like it's an unidentified flying object, but that doesn't mean there's an alien on board. And every single me lab in the country has an alien saucer based landing pad. So like, we should be talking about that instead of just aliens coming here. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Even I with, think... <laughs> yeah, I, I, the reason why I was asking you is because uh, on the news as of late, the past couple of months now, it seems like the media has been going crazy over uh, UFOs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're preparing us. I think they're preparing us for like, I mean, my real thing is I think they're preparing us for like a second coming, you, you know, where so? they're going to do a fake Jesus. Yeah, the Project Bluebeam. I think that's real. Yes, that's something the government was trying to get f- going forward, especially uh, in Cuba, Cuba, rather. They were trying to get mm-hmm. a projected image of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but apparently that's what Skynet's going to do is do an entire, like, I don't know. People don't understand. Like, they don't know that there's voice to skull. They don't know all these things. So imagine if a UFO, like, pops above your house and you hear, like, God saying something to you. Holy moly, most people are going to have no idea. People would freak you know? out. Yeah, they they wouldn't even consider, like, hey, maybe this isn't real. Because to them, they like, I told my husband today that there was a UFO in Kansas City last night. And he was like, no way, you know. And, like, he can't believe that there would be... I don't know what it's called, where it, keep, where it keeps you off the ground, <laughs> you know, anti-gravity. Oh, and I'm yes. like, of course they have that stuff. It's just, it's not published. It's hidden. Is he, I don't know. Is he a believer? No, he's very, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, no. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> nope. No, it's been, um, because I, 
I mean, it's been like a true awakening for me where it's been all of a sudden I've been having dreams and then the dreams are like scientific formulas that where did they come from? You know, and I had the holographic dream recently, like just some really weird things. And like, he's great. He listens to it all. And he like helps me try and figure it out. But I know he's like, is she crazy? You know, I'm sure in the back of his mind, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but that's, funny. but it's okay. <laughs> so, oh yes. Yeah. Amazing stuff. And of course, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. I definitely don't want to take up too much of your time here. And no, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I thought I thought that that was a pretty good uh, time to uh, cut you loose here, since yeah. we kind of are running out of time here. I've been on kind of a long time here, so it is that time to sort of take this home pretty soon here. So yeah. I, I do again want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. You have helped. I'm sure not just myself, but plenty of other people come to a better understanding about cannabis. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I think so. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun. Yes. So. And I definitely do want to bring you back on in the near future. Uh, anytime definitely. we can uh, talk about what's going on with you and uh, this company you're trying to start up here. Yes. Yes, for sure. I mean, that is probably what I should have been talking about this whole time, but, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, to promote, but yeah, no, I would love to. That would be great. No, people love when you actually talk to someone <laughs> and get to know them better. It's, it, yeah. it helps you actually sell what you want. Well, yeah. And my whole thing is like, I want my product to do like be so good for people that it puts myself out of business, like at the end of the day. And like, that's a lot of trust I'm asking for, for people, you know, like I want people to feel like, Hey, you can't trust the FDA. Well, you know, what's in my products, you know, like, you know, you can't trust these people. Well, you know, you're going to get what I'm telling you you're going to get, you know, like I want to be that source for people. So that's, I think it's good for people to know me a little bit. That's a good, that's a good thing to aim for. You definitely want yeah. to have the trust of your customers. And if they know that you'll keep the product pure and without mm -hmm. these um, extra With no things. no lobbyist. And, Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, because all of our, you know, like our the non-GMO project, that's a lobbying company too. Like they're all, there's nothing out there that's really, really genuine unless you grow it yourself or you go to a farmer's market, you know? That's like, the best way. That's the sad truth, but. Amazing stuff. Mimi, yeah. again, it's been fun. Definitely want to do this again with you in the near future. And Definitely. any final words before I cut you loose? No, but thank you. And yeah, thanks to your audience for listening to me. <laughs> it was fun for sure. You don't want to plug your website. Oh, yeah. So it's Canna. It's K-A-N-E-H, like Canna Bosom from the Bible. <laughs> K-A-N-E-H and then C-N-3.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much and be safe out there. Thank you. Right. It was nice to talk to you. Clockwise. Talk All to right, you soon. Night. Mahalo. Okay. And there she goes, ladies and gentlemen, that was one, the one and only uh, Mimi Johnson. Great guest. I loved hearing about that. Love talking about the cannabis products here. All the cannabis products out there. Very tremendous stuff, what they're coming up with every day. And yeah, been a fun show. I've had a great time here with all of you. And I hope all of you enjoyed the program as well. And of course, before I take it home here tonight, I thought I would leave you with some Florida news. As you know by now, this wouldn't be a show without a quick 305 update. This time, our boy is facing some hefty fines. Florida authorities say a man claiming to be paranoid killed his mother and their dog and then set their home on fire. Oh yes, YouTube videos that made him paranoid that someone, someone was going to harm his mother. He grabbed the gun and shot his mother when she came downstairs. Isn't that nice? He then shot the dog 
Wow, the, the bastard actually shot the dog and then set the house on fire. Oh my goodness, wow. Stay Gold, Florida. And of course, I do want to thank my first guest here tonight. That was the one and only Marshall Masters. And I do want to thank all of you out there for hanging out with me this evening. You in the chat room right there. The Master of Rope, World of Dreams, and the rest of you out there in the chat room now. Definitely appreciate all of you so much. I I'm glad you guys hung out and enjoyed both interviews. And of course, I do want to thank Mimi Johnson for being on the program as well. I hope all of you enjoyed tonight's show it's been fun i do want to thank you the fringe fm and deprogrammed radio next week boys and girls i do return jim fetzer is back on the program on friday evening 6 p.m pacific standard time that's 9 p.m eastern time that's for friday i promise it's gonna be a good show that's Friday. Jim Fetzer. Oh, it's going to be fun. Of course, I do want to thank all of you out there who have donated. Definitely go to michaeldeacon.com if you want to donate. Of course, join the Patreon. The address is patreon.com forward slash michaeldeacon. I will be releasing extra content out there for you that will be completely uncensored. Oh, it's going to be a fun time. I will open up about all sorts of things. Oh, yeah, I might even get sued. Who knows? Stay safe out there, no matter where you are on this island earth. I'm Michael Deacon. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time. Good night, everybody.